is like collapsing and we're not doing anything about any of that. And maybe we can't, I don't fucking know, but, but we are insane about everything. Like Wolverine, he got sleeves on you, son of, I'll fucking kill you. You piece of shit. You ruined my fucking Wolverine childhood with your sleeves. Insane. Damn it. You know what? Like, okay. Insane. So you know a lot more, or you're a lot more involved in the Twitter side of it than I am. For a while mm. there, I thought you were just yeah, I am. saying that it's bullshit that, like, social media makes, like, even cares about a blue and yellow suit or whatever. But I didn't even know no, people no, were complaining no. about it. Like, like I was like, oh, Jared, yeah. why can't you just say you love it? Come on. We love no, it. No, I right? do love it. I, that's it's my great, point. I right? love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I, I don't have, know how to be positively affirmative. I have to obliquely <laughs> criticize someone else Some, for not yeah. being that. <laughs> and that's my way of doing it. You know no, who I, I it's like, hey, what do I, you like? And your response is, you know who I hate? And exactly. Yeah, yeah. The people who don't like the things that I love, which I can't really talk about. No. It's so funny <laughs> that all this is happening because I'm probably gonna cry several times on the episode just thinking about how fucking awesome Wonder Woman is. Like it is <laughs> insane that but before we well just to address this. I think that the Wolverine suit looks fucking cool. I think yeah. Hugh Jackman looks cool. I do sort of agree generally that I I think it would be perfect if there were no sleeves. Like sure. that was the formal like or sorry the, the foremost thing that people kept mentioning is that it just kind of looks wrong with full sleeves and it is I have to admit a bit weird to go so far towards perfection and yeah. to miss it in that way, sure. but maybe it's like you know, those like Native American quilt uh, sewers or whatever, quilters, I guess, uh, who m- put a flaw in their perfect design because perfection should only be left to the creator. I don't know. But it's, yeah, because otherwise it would be great. It's just real good right now, I'd say. Yeah. What do you think? No, uh, I mean, tactically, sleeves make sense. Like, like, you know, there's like parts of what i mean if it's some kind of armor like because he doesn't approach his like he he doesn't approach his healing factor the same way uh deadpool does if wolverine lost an arm it would be a fucking problem like he'd be bummed out about it you know or an eye yeah but i disagree a bit i I definitely think he fights as if like he fights in a way where he just gets allows himself to get hurt sure yeah I, i agree he doesn't have the same level of of healing factor is like a Deadpool or a Lobo, yeah. but I don't. I don't think he's like. Oh, I better get sleeves. I wouldn't want to get a rash <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know what it was? Hugh Jackman just didn't want to get fucking like. That's what I heard. Like, just yoked again. Well, that's, I mean, that, he's that's like, what I heard. He's like a hundred and twelve years old at this he point. Is old. So. Yeah. yeah, he's so old, he's got no he? excuse. Good point, yeah. JT. No, I I heard uh, that he has like some. So he is susceptible to skin cancer. That's that's the word I hear on the on the in Australia on, oncological street. Yeah, an Australian susceptible to skin cancer. That poor well, bastard. also sunscreen, right? I would have thought that would right. That's kind of a. It didn't work for me this this last weekend, but yeah. you know, it's Wolverine. Cancer's a problem for the poor. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you. Uh, but going back, <laughs> uh, going back, uh, I think it looks great and it's very promising. And it's also, I think he looks like just generally you take away the details that people might criticize. Uh, it's proof that the costume could have always been that color. Yeah. And I saw some people making fun of that X-Men line in 2000 
where Cyclops is like, well, would you prefer a yellow spandex or whatever? And now we see it as like, yeah, I prefer that. Actually, yeah, I do prefer we, that. we super do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my only, I mean, like, I would like the mask if we're just, like, going all the way, which I'm sure. Well, he still might have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it will be there. That's probably something easier oh, than my CGI. God. Can you imagine if they didn't? <laughs> like, that they did all that and you it's didn't get the mask. The mask is the whole yeah. thing. Right. I mean, the mask is the suit. At that point, mm-hmm. when you pull your actor out of fucking retirement to play this character that he said he was done playing, I, I can understand not wanting to fucking throw a mask on him because then you're going to be like me or because then you'll have people like me who will assume that anytime he's wearing the mask, I'm like, that's not actually Hugh Jackman. Maybe, but like, okay, I'll give you that. But they just do it. What Iron Man did, which is like, they, they were like, he just can take his mask off a lot. And anytime he talks, he'll have that because do you know how fucking crazy it would be? Is Iron Man never had a helmet. He's just like flying through the air with just his, goofy ass 50 year old head exposed or whatever yeah um so hopefully hopefully that that's what we're gonna see and everybody's even said like oh they they're gonna cgi that the mask but i think you might just not have it in that scene yeah maybe see like that is kind of the point i think that or like one of the reasons ryan reynolds wanted to play deadpool is so that he could wear this mask and be funny in a way that his face didn't get in like didn't involve through yeah 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 exactly like like you want to laugh at someone as handsome as him. Same with uh, Wolverine. Like, right. Like the the premise behind I think Ryan Reynolds' big uh, like big fascination with Deadpool was like it gave him an opportunity just to be funny again. And mm-hmm. I yeah I like I can't imagine that they would be like, but we need Hugh's face. We need his face out all the time. Well, I think he's gonna. I mean, you're gonna see his face a lot. I, I mean, I agree with the yeah. principal. Well, the principle that JT's saying, I think, is absolutely correct, which is that, like, you're not going to have that actor cover his face up the whole time. But I still, th- I think you can have the mask some of the time. If you have the mask 25% of the time, then yeah. that'll be enough. Honestly, if he has the mask for a bit, and then he loses the fucking mask, but we just got it for enough to, like, that's Wolverine on screen, I think, not just me, but I think people will generally be fucking fine with that. I, d- mm-hmm. I just don't you know, see that being the the big hang up. Um, I'll say this again, we can get into our episode, but like also um, the ecology on Twitter about, about um, these sorts of movies to me, is just crazy. And it's mostly the Snyder people, but not totally, but a lot of that, which is that like, they are a bunch of people are just hating it. Not because like, just because they don't want it to be successful because they want their thing to be successful. And I just think that's so weird. Like, it seems like a lot of people who are saying it's stupid, it's not out of even being overly, you know, picky fans of Wolverine or Deadpool or whatever. It's that, like, they're mad that James Gunn took over DC, and so they need, like, any other thing to fail. It's so weird. JT, I want to welcome you back and ask, have you been keeping up with Jared's war on the Snyder fans? Uh, just like across. Oh, I, I tell him from. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think I have a choice in the matter? I, I was about to say. I was like, I was like, you know what? Because like this time, that really wasn't even something we needed to talk about. But there's been like the past two episodes. You know, and I'm pretty there's sure it's the here. fucking Snyder fans. You know what? I think it's the yeah. same Snyder twice. They're dog keep... shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I argue with two people primarily on Twitter. People that are like Zionists who think all Palestinians are Nazis. 
and uh, the Snyder people. I don't know why yeah. that it's, you know, you make your own environment on Twitter. Well, I'm just glad uh, that you've moved on from the gay witch community. Oh, I had to put a stop to it. <laughs> like, part, I, like, yeah, so just for the listener, and then I swear to God we can move on. I, and this will probably be at the end anyway, who's who gives a shit? But like, I was on this Facebook group of gay dudes that, the, they weren't just into witchcraft in a kind of spiritual Wiccan sense. They actually thought that they're Wiccan. They're they're witches who have magical powers and would talk about spells and like even to the point of like using them responsible. Uh, for whatever reason, it's like a group of people that think what the joke I made was like think being a seven and wearing a lot of jewelry makes you deep or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I just was like, we got to put a stop to them. You're not really magical, and I bet you're not even gay. That's your liar there too. Or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. it fucking weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> damn it. I had a point, but that was such a digression. I don't think well, I pe- Okay, just people, and I would get into arguments, not even with those people, because in, I would just tell other people about them. That's I it. Mean, I, I would mean, listen to their shit, and then people like, it's just a belief and whatever. It's like, there should be a fucking point where you can just tell people, you don't have magic powers. And that's not a crazy thing to say to somebody. I, okay, I'm with you there. Like, well, I mean, like, I, right. I had Wiccans at school. Uh, they were mainly girls, so, like, there was also, like, the implication that they were probably gay. I don't know. Um, but, but they're cool. They're I'm fine. fine with Wiccans. Yeah, yeah. Like, I never, I was like, if nothing else, I, I'm never, like, incurring the wrath of them. I know that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I bring them their, their daily... Like bread and olives and uh, meats. I just think they just the people would be insane because they would be like, "I'm trying to do a love spell, but it's not working." And some people like, "Well, you're using hemlock." I'm like, not nah, no. Like, how are you? It's a love spell, stupid. You gotta use hemlock. And I'm like, this is all fucking make believe. What is okay? Anyway, do you the guys want to talk about Wonder Woman? Worst. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Let's do- to start like this welcome to the comic canon revival a podcast where we look at some of the most beloved stories in the history of comics both new and old we take exemplary historic and even bizarre stories and we put them under our figurative microscope and we're gonna do that now and i really wish that i had a, i was good with melody because i can't do the wonder woman song <laughs> i tried i like keep going into mission impossible okay uh, yeah Let you me... might want to work on your rhythm too no, no, no. So you like? Are you the trying theme? to hurt my feelings before we start Wonder Woman? I don't understand. She would not approve of your bad attitude. Go ahead. Uh, so, you, so you like the Wonder Woman theme? Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, I don't give a fuck about it really. I just think it's like. So the one thing I'll give uh, Zack Snyder is that in Dawn of Justice or whatever that scene where again, like she comes in and stops Doomsday's. Why does he have energy powers? Oh, yeah, Who yeah. gives a shit? She stops it and it plays her song. I was legitimately like, yeah, fuck yeah, Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah. See, I feel like that's what the moment, okay, like that moment is what her theme was designed for, as right. opposed to like what gets the, con. like what is her like core tenant foundation theme? Uh, you know, like mm. like like a John Williams, uh, like John Williams, like Superman, you know, like 
dun, mm-hmm. dun, 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 dun. It's, it has this real right. almost Sousa March kind of just big, like American freedom, right. happy guy kind of thing. Her shit was like designed for the moment where she stopped that weapon. And then it just kind of like set it in contrast to the other themes that were being picked up, which, you know, like Superman's was uh, with the Hans Zimmer thing was like a big swelling, slow kind of orchestral theme. And mm-hmm. uh, they were bringing back Danny Elfman's Batman theme, so like they still that was that still has a big orchestral thing. And then Wonder Woman just shows up like Mad Max, you know, just yes, great. I don't know. It, I it, love it. I, I mean, I that that sounded that her. I mean, I don't know much about music or whatever, but I I feel like it has kind of a combative kind of intrigue to it, like. It does say to me somebody's about to get their ass whooped sure. in a way that like some of the other themes, that, like the Batman theme is like, there's things under my bed and they're going <laughs> to kill me. And then as you mentioned, like Superman is very much like, I can't believe that we landed on the moon. Who would have, we used to live in ponds, but the fucking Wonder Woman is like, she's going to kick you in your teeth and it's, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, no, sure. I it, like, I like that. It's like they're, I'm pretty sure the guy who composed it, his name is like DJ Nasty Licks or something. You know, it's like something like I hope like three to X's. God no. I um, hope he didn't. It's I feel like it's DJ something. Um, okay. Well, look. So anyway, if you haven't figured it out thus far, this episode is about Wonder Woman. We're specifically yep. doing Wonder Woman Hecatea. Um, and I just want to go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way right up top. So we don't have to think about it too much more. Um, this was Wonder Woman Hecatea was released in 2002 and it was released as a graphic novel. We don't do those much on the show because I don't really make many of them. And I say that in a technical way, a graphic novel, remember, is when a like comic book is released as a large story all at once, as opposed to cut up in single issues and serialized and once a month it comes out or something like that. So this is an actual graphic novel. It's pretty short. I mean, this could really just be a fat-ass single issue in a way. And this is one of the shorter comics that we've done on the podcast, but it's just good enough. I think there's enough meat to this story that we can really do a whole episode about it. Um, So the writer was Greg Rucka. Pencils were J.G. Jones. Inker was Wade Vaughn. Growl Badger, great Fuck name yeah. there. That rule, that name uh, colors were Dave Stewart. Letters were Todd Klein. And this was and Wonder Woman was created by William Moulton Marston. We'll talk about him, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's what we're talking about today. Why we picked it? I picked it, I think, right? Because yeah. I mean, we, I mean, JT is a bit along uh, for the ride here. I believe. Have you read any Wonder Woman comics before, JT, or is this the first um, one? No, this is actually my first Wonder Woman comic. Totally. I hope it was a good one. Yeah. We'll find out. Um, Wendell? Same. Same. Uh, like, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say. Like, I, like I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I love Wonder Woman as a character, and, mm-hmm. um, like... But you just hate women. One thing I want to say, like... Uh, one, <laughs> one thing I wanted to say up top was... Uh, like our one, the one opinion that I've ever like stood proud on was, uh, Gal Gadot. Like I actually just the one, <laughs> just the one. I mean, cause that's all, I mean, I had the one thought and I felt good about it was right. that like, <laughs> I like a Linda Carter style wonder woman in a live action context, like a big meaty gal, like the presentation as opposed to, uh, Gal Gadot, who's like 
skinny and wafy or like kind of wafish. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really get a wafy feeling. I think she's a pretty stout. Yeah, I mean, dope. not necessarily heavy. So yeah, I think she's pretty muscular. Okay. You know? But anyway, it, uh, I mean, yeah. she's toned. Let's say she's yeah. toned. Women like to get toned. Um, well, I've, I've, I have, I've read, I think, plenty of Wonder Woman. I mean, I should say, Wendell, you've read Wonder Woman in lots of stuff, though. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. she's always, and, and yeah, she's always awesome. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. her, her cameos are always like, and just remember, she could also do all this shit everybody else is doing or whatever right you know? oh oh speaking of which i forgot speaking of cameos uh jt's making one this is a jt episode yeah. he's here of course hey yeah sounds so excited to be uh, here that's right well, yeah, sorry yeah. i was like contemplating whether or not it's a good thing that when i'm on the podcast now it's just considered my episode i was like ooh, i don't know if i want to take <laughs> ownership of all of them Big responsibility. <laughs> that's okay you know sometimes like you can just sit in the back and enjoy the ride um and of course the danielle to my wonder woman my my supplicant wendell smith is on the podcast they call me wellies yeah um mm-hmm. wellis i i yeah couldn't tell could you be wells i don't know i really yeah, don't it could be I, I yeah and of course i'm jared mccorkle um so yeah, the reason I picked this, I thought it's a for me, right? It's a really good reintroduction to Wonder Woman, and that we could have done some other stuff. Obviously, some more recent Wonder Woman comics have been pretty good. I thought about that, and but we kind of have done some more contemporary stuff with some other characters. I thought it might be nice to go. This can't, like I said, two thousand two, so it's a very like right before DC. Kind of, I, I don't even want to say goes off on the rails, but like goes into all of their various like rebirths and yada yada. This is firmly within the post crisis era, um, but it's not so early that I felt like, especially if JT was going to be on here, like I wanted you to get a, a sense of something. This is kind of what Wonder Woman's like now. If you mm. read, for instance, George Perez's Wonder Woman, there's a, even though that's amazing stuff and originator for the character, there's been a lot of historical distance, and that character is pretty different. Mm. And but yeah, and, and another reason to pick it, like generally why Wonder Woman is, again, almost like what Wendell said, like I feel bad that I haven't read much Wonder Woman. In this case, I feel bad it took us this long to get to Wonder Woman, but there's if you, there's just way more characters and properties out there than you'd think. So finally we're getting to her, and I'm really glad because there is a part of me, I don't, like, she just brings the gay out of me. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't know what it is, but like, I was like reading about Wonder Woman and I started to get a little weepy because also I'm 40 and gay. So it was like, that's almost like a menopausal thing for me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> just, um, yeah, but I love I love the character a lot. I think that she's often very boringly written. Um, and a lot of it probably is some self-defeating kind of Mary Sueism there, which I'm not against the idea of trying to make Wonder Woman awesome and beloved and stuff like that. But I think oftentimes she has a tendency in her con that the, the writers don't give her a humanity much ironically. Um, so anyway, we're doing Wonder Woman. Uh, let me, let me just ask you guys, let's, let's dig into Wonder Woman a little bit more just in terms of our personal feelings and experiences. As I said, I, uh, two things. One, I love her deeply. Also, I'm pretty sure that, Wonder Woman is RuPaul. That's another thing I've, I've figured out. Like that, if you scratch the surface, the real origin is that RuPaul decided, like, okay, what's my 
manifestation in fiction going to be? And it was, of course, Diana because she's the perfect woman. So that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty sure that's true. What about you, Wendell? What do you, what do you, how do you feel about Wonder Woman? I've always considered Wonder Woman uh, like it, Superman's equal, mm. despite, I mean, just the difference being the gender, which is what is going to make her second on the totem pole or whatever, power, power wise. Like, I, I feel like she is crazy. Okay, why? Strong. Why that? Why that? Because right, comic books are designed to be like that. I don't know. I. I think it's crazy. Honestly, really do. I'm like, they just need to make her as strong as Superman. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, I don't I, even I'm know not why saying this that's is like a, how it should be. Opinion. I just like, it's just yeah. when she, like when she walks in, she can be as strong as Superman. Like, right. like nine out of 10 times. She can fly as fast as him. Like generally right. kind of more contextually intelligent than him on a, on a consistent basis. Like she just right. doesn't have that same boy scout, uh, rose-colored glasses kind of approach to things yeah. that Superman does. So she's ready to fucking bounce when it. When but I mean, like, I, I'm with I'm with you that that is kind of the history, and some writers have tried to maintain that. But in the prescriptive sense, a, a lot of fans will talk as if he needs to be stronger to preserve some weird tradition. And look, I'm not the I'm not like Mr. Woke. We need to, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not knee, in a knee-jerk way going after this point but i i don't even know what leg to stand on people would have like the the most important maybe the most important character in comic books but the most important bar none woman in comics should just be right up there with Mm -hmm. the strongest men in comics it just doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah no i i like you know what is like i honestly feel like uh snyder did do a good job of illustrating Wonder Woman's uh, like power in his movies. I don't know. Yeah, like, until you, Justice when, when League, where yeah, until Justice League, where he has Superman basically walk over her, and it really <laughs> it was a totally unnecessary asymmetrical power sort of thing. I'm I'm yeah. fine to let some of that stuff be mysterious, but like I was actually pretty annoyed with it. But um, yeah, I yeah, that was anti Snyder. I mean, yeah, yeah, I like. I feel like that the Superman thing, like bringing Superman back or whatever, is just like was just a weird call in general. But I mean, like when she mm-hmm. shows up in Batman versus Superman to beat up, fucking, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Doomsday. Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, like she she holds her own the entire time. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, JT? What's your what are your feelings about Wonder Woman? Um. Well, I. You know, we always stand a Donny mommy, which I think she definitely is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've loved the character. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, we have no choice. But uh, no, I uh, yeah, I've always loved Wonder Woman. Um, I think, and it's probably more just like the context and what I've um, read or like seen her in that I've felt like for a long time it I struggled to really understand. Um, you know, like who the character is. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't really think it was a problem with like my interpretation though, as much as I think it was just like, I think a lot of writers tend to struggle with wonder woman, um, yeah. for a lot of reasons, but I think probably the main reason is for exactly what, uh, Wendell described, which is that I think a lot of people just tend to view her as a gender swapped Superman, um, but you know, we can't pay her as much. 
Um, <laughs> so, um, so like, you know, when I was like a lot younger, that's kind of how I understood her too. Until I realized that, um, you know, she actually has a lot more, um, depth and a lot more going on. And, uh, you know, ever since that point, uh, I've, I've loved the character. Um, first off, I, you know, I love that she's like one of the most compassionate members of the justice league, but at the same time mm-hmm. is also one of the most martial in that, like, you know, mm-hmm. like she is totally. a, a like a true warrior, um, you know, so she's not like a, a gym teacher who was, you know, given powers by, you know, like <laughs> some like radioactive bird or something like she's like, I don't like you talking shit about Guy Gardner like that, by the way. I have to say, I'm just <laughs> famous gym teacher or superhero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, you know, like it's uh, I like that. Um, and we'll get into it later, but I just like how, yeah, she's, to me, she's almost like, uh, you know, rather than seeing her as like some like gender swap Superman, to me, she's almost more like a fusion of Superman and Captain America in that, like, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like she, um, in that, like, you know, she kind of like is a exemplar of like our best virtues and you know but is also very tactically minded and um and uh you know knows how to fuck a person up if she has to (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i mean like she has a warrior spirit in a way that superman doesn't really yeah that's great that's what's great about superman what you mentioned there about her being difficult, notoriously to write, is particularly relevant to what we're reading today because Greg, Greg Rucka, who is the writer here and, and one of the most lauded um, Wonder Woman writers, said, "I'm not I, getting into." I think the quote is, "Getting into her head is murder." And so he <laughs> had great success. Yeah, he had, and I'll explain why I think that is. He had great success in writing books where it was about more how she was perceived. Right. Like he often puts a, someone else as the sort of, you know, proxy for the audience or, or what have you, or this other vantage point. Um, I think the issue is that to compare to Superman, we could compare it to many people, Spider-Man, Batman, whatever, is that Superman is psychologically a, per, a human. Right. And that's just, like, so, yeah. You, that's how you write him. It's super easy. The, the he's. I'm not saying it's he's entirely easy to write, but you know the people are like, oh, Superman's hard to make, hard to write, blah blah blah. It's like you're just saying you can't write people from the Midwest. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Wonder Woman is, um, I mean, she's now a demigod. That's complicated. We'll talk about her history a little bit, but like, she's essentially sort of foreign, and I don't mean like she's Israeli. I mean <laughs> she's she's temporally foreign. She's from a different time and she's part God. Even when she wasn't a demigod, she had God-like capacities. And I think it's, it's hard anytime you write a God because you're saying at some, I mean, the gods in many ways, I mean, Thor and Hercules are similar too. They're sort of the com the connection between the cosmos that's non-human and the human. And so they have to have a little bit of mystique and foreignness and transcendence, but they also have to be understandable and translatable to the right. human person or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's a hard thing to write. And the mistake that a lot of writers make, and I think where when she gets a bit boring is if you just try to make her awesome completely, no flaws, no dark side, just, just extra good. Just, 
you know, uh, you know, perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, I also think a lot of, or a lot of things that I have seen her in have been like afraid to really lean into like her, you know, like her Grecian origins, which mm-hmm. I think is yep. probably a pretty big mistake because I, I do think that's like, like you said, like it's one of the things that like really, um, makes her distinct from like a lot of other heroes is that like whereas most people have this very human experience like particularly like Superman who you know has this very like hometown American dream-esque experience you know Wonder Woman has been operating like she's been alive for fucking centuries like millennia right. um, and like you know so like she has a very different relationship than most heroes um especially like in the justice league like you know she's not like superman because like she wasn't just you know born this century like she's experienced like humans over like hundreds to thousands of years but she's also not like the completely alien um characters like uh martian manhunter or someone like that right who are just like now just you know getting acquainted with humanity like she's had like a pretty like makes her have like a very complicated relationship with humans and that, you know, if she's had to have witnessed some of our greatest triumphs and our like most heinous acts and, you know, and now she lives in America. So it's super like, Ooh, good luck gal. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so I think there's other things about her that I think are really interesting is like her origins. Cause you mentioned this, this, um, the comics have often been hesitant to really lean into her her Greek and her mythological origins. There's a complicated comic history there too because initially Wonder Woman was a little bit more terrestrial, I guess. She was a sort of came out, I think she's came out in 41. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had these explanations like in terms of like that she was connected to the Amazons that have Greek mythological origin, but she really wasn't played as much more than a sort of like a very powerful woman, very similar to Superman at the time where, you know, he's sort of fast and strong. He can't fly and stuff like that. And it really wasn't until like the seventies or eighties. I'd have to look again at the year, but when George Perez took it over that he was like, no, let's take really seriously this as a straight out of antiquity, Greek mythology. The gods are still here. And just really infused it with that, that she became undeniably that. So sometimes when people go back, like like you can tell, like the the first movie, um, or that I mean, what oh, Patty Smith or what's her name? Not Patty Smith, shit, <laughs> Patty Jenkins, <laughs> yeah. the director. Um, you can see them kind of not entirely leaning into the Greek stuff. You know what I mean? They're not they're not only thinking that it had. It's very much that World War One kind of era feel well i have to say i think a lot of i think it's probably pretty intimidating to create this or to write this character with like very you know who like has a very strong connection to ancient greece while she's walking around wearing uh you know uh the stars and stripes uh right so like i get like i you know like i think there is a lot of like dissonance in like her you know her kind of like aesthetic versus like who she is. And I think that can like kind of not just like throw off writers as like that, you know, they don't know more about her than that. I think, you know, as you're writing, you kind of want 
people to be able to understand. Like you want to be able to use shorthand to get a lot of like points across, right? So you don't have to like right. bog everything down with over, over like by over expositing. Um, and I think Wonder Woman kind of makes that hard to do. Um, yeah, I'd uh, maybe less now because of the movie, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think for a long time. People, there wasn't a common sense about what her origin was. Yeah, and she's had, and I want to talk a little bit about this, but she's had several origins, right? Yeah, um, and in in sort of big ways, and some are maybe better than others, and I want to get your opinions about that. But I agree with you that that it isn't like um, she's been somewhat kind of mysterious or whatever. Yeah, so there's this. It's just you reminded me of a thing. There's this uh, how they're trying to resolve later on the fact that like why does this person who's from you know or demigod from you know a couple thousand years before the united states why does she look like a uncle sam and drag kind of yeah like situation? <laughs> uncle sam at the rodeo and, and a person says to her like uh it, it was actually during this fallout where the jla was it was such a weird story where like they forgot what the a stood for so every major member of the justice League starts their own Justice League of A, so it's Justice League of Air, Justice League of Atlantis, what? Justice League of Aliens, and hers was Justice League of Amazons. But anyway, so there's a point where somebody's <laughs> like, uh, "Why do you wear our? You know, you're basically wearing American symbols." She's like, "Oh yeah, where do you think you guys got the symbols from?" <laughs> like in other words, suggesting that like no, her she her her um, regalia actually predates you know us and it was the founding fathers who had this sort of like you know um kind of antiquated neo she's like idea she's that like co-opted her stuff betsy ross that fucking look stealing bitch yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly um but, but yeah so let's look a little bit about her origins because i do think it's interesting and i think you know what you want wonder woman to be is you have to kind of select what she's what your Wonder Woman is in a sense because it has been a bit confused. Initially, she's an a, an explicitly feminist character. Yeah, there's just I'm I'm not reading into that the way some people have read into <laughs> the X Men and how involved were they in the civil rights. This she was written as as you can very quickly Google by uh, William Moulton Marsden, a polyamorous psychologist who actually everybody knows now is invented the lie detector test, but was explicitly creating a, his notion of a kind of avatar of not just womanhood or perfect womanhood, but a a woman who could be, could lead society and her feminine culture into a more progressive, you know, a better world. Right. So it's just all right out of the gate. We are like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> a kind of anti-patriarchy character. Do you remember what her first job was? Um. Yeah, I believe it was castrating male hogs. I was going to say just secretary straight <laughs> no. out. No, 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 no. Because she had, like, I'm pretty sure I, my memory's a little Killing fuzzy. Nazis, I think, originally. Well, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, like, she had a female assistant, like, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I cannot remember if she was, like, a lawyer um or something i want to say that's the case but uh i can't remember the original but yeah i remember she had this like female assistant um who like helped her with whatever job she was doing um and her you talking about etta candy yeah the yeah the comic relief heavyset woman yeah (laughs) which honestly i think they should bring back please uh (laughs) 
Well, she is back. She's never left. Oh, I mean, hell like, yeah. All right. I didn't she's know She's been that. all awesome. over. She was in the movie. And then um, much like Amanda Waller, there was a controversy when they tried to make her thinner. Yeah. Um, fuck them. Her, hey, yeah. Well, you know, you can't win for losing. And that's why a lot of internet progressivism is sort of fraudulent because, you know, no one represents anything. They just yell loudly. So initially it was a problem that she was heavy set because she was like being made fun of or something like that. And then they tried to change it. And then because it's people who don't have those values, they're just like from a market standpoint trying to respond you know, piecemeal to demands without really understanding them. And so then they brought her back. Same with the Amanda Waller thing. I mean, right. But it's, yeah, I think that there's like, there is a very clear misunderstanding there is, I mean, first off, Etta Candy, great drag name. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Second, like the problem isn't that she was heavy set and being represented in a comic. It was that she was being made fun of for being heavy set. Like, yeah, just leave her true. be and then just get rid of like them being shitty to her because she looks different. Like, right, right. No, I think they were like, well, if we make her heavy set, we're gonna make fun of her. Right, yeah, not yeah. Do she's that. gonna be clumsy. And yeah, what a, yeah. Oh, and then we they were just... like, oh, why are these libs mad at us now for right. making her skinny so we don't have to make fun of her right. anymore? I thought but, that's what I they mean, wanted. I, I would just have, I would have to concede the fact that, yeah, it is true that certain kinds of libs let's say will complain about anything and then you know i mean like and then people again i mean it's i don't know i don't want to get too far into it but i don't think this is this would be the first time that people tried to respond to what they thought the right progressive thing was only then to get yelled at again by the other direction or whatever i you know (laughs) has she had uh like um i I, because i feel like i am apparently a little even less schooled on Wonder Woman. Uh, as uh, Steve Trevor, is that his name? Has he always been sort yeah. of a love interest from the get-go? Yeah, initially, but I mean, like like anything, her comics have kind of gone in in terms of, like, different, um, how important he was in the comics. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, it, so, but yeah, he's he's always been the main guy. Also... To talk about, like, like how kind of... <laughs> I mean, just to say fuck the patriarchy or whatever. It's weird how, like, the only time I've ever heard Wonder Woman brought up in maybe the last 10 years in any, like, pop-up on Facebook or anything was when she started dating Superman and or Batman. Like, when, like, when they started, when she started to date one of the main two big Mm -hmm. dudes, as opposed to any decisions she made. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I'm not a huge fan of that stuff just because I think that like it kind of it's going to subsume her uh, because it just happened to be more popular characters. Yeah, and then if you make her the girlfriend of them, it's going to be really difficult for her not to be sort of peripheral to them or whatever. You know, I yeah. think she's can clearly stand on her own and can have a world, you know, that orbits her right. as as a protagonist in her world. You know, her dating either of them is weird. Depending right. on what how you think about it, like like it's uh, she's hundreds of years old. That's uh, strange, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, but but just first, of, like, how do you come up with the name Etta Candy, which is we can all agree is fantastic, and then mm-hmm. name a character Steve Trevor? That's, yeah, I yeah. I actually I think it has like it's very Peter Parker, very Steve Rogers. You know, I 
very Don Blake. I mean, yeah, it's very transatlantic. Yeah, well, partly too, it, it reflects the times where it's like people in the '40s weren't naming kids to be interesting, you know, pocketbook like accessories. You know, that like, you have a son named Malachi? That's so interesting. I have a son named <laughs> Tobin. What a wonderful, we're, they're very different. You know what I mean? In other words, like, I think that just felt like at the time, generic was way more uh, the, the intent behind naming. I don't know. I, I can't really say. Um, Still, Ed Candy and then Steve Trevor. Right. Like, mm. We'll just have to. Well, I hate to say it, too. Uh, Etta Candy was probably more of a plucky sidekick character, so giving her a fun name makes more sense as opposed to this like kind of Art Deco boyfriend, <laughs> this sort of kin that they're like Steve, John. Yeah. Tre- His name was Steve John James Smith Trevor initially. Jingleheimer yeah, Smith. Then, Wait, no, that's too fun. Get it out of here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. She's but, gonna fuck uh, But to go back, so the point is that she initially is this sort of like you know feminist character and by the way i have to say i'm not a huge fan of the sword and the shield that she would later adopt because i think there's something so interesting about all of her weapons are kind of like initially were these feminine aspects that she weaponized and the idea and marston kind of thought this was the the point which is like for I mean, you know, he's a man in the 40s who's a feminist, or 30s and 40s who's a feminist. So, you know, there's room to disagree here. But I think there's something really interesting where he thought that you take feminine values and they were, in fact, values of strength. And that there was a kind of inherent sort of misogyny that took anything we associated with women and because of that made it mean weakness. The whole point of the bondage themes, which are undeniable, is that he thought submission was a kind of strength. And... Uh, and if that sounds weird to you and like, that's kind of the point of Islam, right? It literally means that. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit more about submission because that's exactly what this comic book is about. But so anyway, the point just, I was going to say is that her weapons were, you know, her shackles and uh, a lasso of truth of a, a rope that would be bondage and tiara, which is a sort of feminist thing. And they became her deadly weapons. I think that's thematically awesome. Yeah. And, you know, so some so the the Sword and Shield just feels like some contemporary writer without the history was like, well, she needs real weapons. <laughs> These no, uh, she, she needs to get a gun. I mean, yeah. obviously it doesn't work. <laughs> so I wonder what with a gun is a great image. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that is uh, really interesting that you point that out, though, because that does kind of speak to a lot of uh, feminist critiques I've heard. Um, surrounding like um, bad representation of strong women uh, mm-hmm. that like uh, more hacky writers will make where they will take a woman and in order to you know make like signal to the audience that she's strong they just give her like masculine attributes or like you know things right. that they attribute or that are typically attributed with men um, instead of you know pre <laughs> Larson's Captain Marvel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So instead of just uh, yeah, in, like embracing and recognizing that her femininity is strong, um, right? With with Brie Larson, it was sort of like, you know, what if a woman was actually funny? So they were like, just have her be like Robert Downey Jr. That there's a sort of a cynicism in it, which is like, well, we want to make her funny, so she should have that famous guy's sense of humor or whatever. Um, put her in a pantsuit or put her in a flight suit or whatever. That's how you, yeah. No, I, yeah, I completely agree. 
Um, but then Wonder Woman goes through this Greekification, as as JT was talking about, the like Grecianation or whatever, which is an awful way to have said that. That um, sounds like a yeah, like an insane clown posse club. Yeah, right. Grecian and and it, yeah, and it sort of harkens back to what was there from the beginning, or pretty soon. Not I don't think the first issue, but the idea that she was molded by her mother. Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, out of clay, and that she was blessed by goddesses, uh, which is sort of, I think, important, uh, like Hestia and Aphrodite and Athena, and then brought to life through their power and would be this perfect sort of emissary of the Amazons and go to man's world and save it, everything like that. And then in most recent times, I mean, I'm abridging a lot, everybody can tell, but I just want to get these sort of basic Wonder Woman concepts, I guess, on the table. Um she was they rewrote her origin which is still what we have now and it's an interesting sort of trying to instill strength into the character but they made zeus her father and the whole clay thing is a kind of myth and the idea is that um zeus and hippolyta had like this secret child this demigod that would be wonder woman now feminists who have rightfully critiqued this new origin even though it's the current origin as far as i understand um because it went from being a, her origins being totally mm-hmm. uh, woman, totally feminine, to now her gaining power and legitimacy through a patriarchal structure like her 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 patronage, like Zeus being her dad. Right. Um, sure. And I think that I agree with that. I mean, I know it's complicated and there are good things about that, too. Um, but I don't know the idea of an all feminine construction and that you know, not needing to be attached to the patriarchy. I just think that works. And it's just generally more interesting than her just being another character who has a God dad. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Totally. I, I, I think like, I like a good demigod, but like, there's so many to like pull from and they're all kind of very vague and similar. Like when I think about right. like Ares or Hercules or like in, in, you know, the Marvel pantheon or mm-hmm. whatever, however they're handled. None of them really like stand out, you know. It's like, yeah, just Zeus fucked a person. And now, girl, did yeah, you yeah. say Ares? Because he's not yeah, a demigod. Is, no, he's a full he's god. A straight up, he god. is a straight up god. Okay, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, Which, yeah, he's just right, the yeah. son of. He's pretty sure he's her- one of. Kronos I can, I could be wrong, too, because like, he and who's his sister? I mean, they're is all related, but no, no. Yeah, but Ares has a particular Athena. like. Is it Athena? A twin sister. Well, no, because she came out of the dome piece. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We absolutely Ares is a is uh, the uh, full on god, son of Zeus, yeah. and some other god. Could Probably be thinking Europe, of Achilles. Achilles. Achilles is yeah. Achilles is a demigod. Perseus is a demigod. Got got plenty of those. And then the other thing too is that, like, as you'll know from basic like mythology or Clash of the Titans or whatever, is that the demigods generally aren't as powerful as the gods. Yeah, there's a range. Achilles and Perseus are like very powerful, but like they're generally dwarfed by the the Greek pantheon, right? The Olympians. But yeah. in the comics, you know, Wonder Woman is sort of like every or very comparable to the gods. So that it, you know, just making her a demigod, I don't think works as much. Um, and like I said, it just feels more generic. Well, I mean, who can't um, beat up their go- uh, their dad though? Like. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, it's it, it, this is actually interesting. The way that I think in in the comic we're going to talk about today is she's kind of limited in certain ways. And, uh, you know, she's not just an omnipotently powerful person that can just, you know, bull her way through the scenario. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. 
Um, any more thoughts about Wonder Woman generally before we kind of get into what happened in the story or whatever? No, uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about the art, I really appreciated that. But I, Right. Uh, well, before we do, I just want to say the, the other thing that I think is just really amazing about Wonder Woman is that like, and, and I'm really disappointed is she is this overtly feminist character. She's this overtly like woman for the sake of woman character. And it's, it's worth pointing out, I think, I didn't know when I was going to talk about this, but it might as well be here, that her first movie, I just think is amazing. It got incredible like critical acclaim it seemed to be like by everybody has kind of a weak third act but people loved it the second one not so good right yeah bombed a little bit i would say i mean i think the internet has a tendency to exaggerate how bad things are but let's say it was just not a great film and what i'm really disappointed in is how after that one bad movie now no one's fucking talking about wonder woman Mm -hmm. i mean in the comics sure and people she's always gonna have her fan base but the idea of like, what's her, when's her third movie coming back? Oh no, and that that kills me because I just think it's a totally unfair standard, and I do think there's a sexism underlying that because if Batman fucking bombs, we're gonna be subjected to six. If they, honestly, if they had six bad Batman movies in a row, the seventh one, well, how are we gonna resurrect yeah. Batman or something like that? You have one movie that was just not that great and i think there were some missteps in it and and she just falls off yeah. so i just I, I don't think there's a real good reason for that or at least i don't know what it is yeah and same with like uh like spider-man or superman it's like well we can't right. not make a movie with them in it like what else yeah, are we gonna do bizarre. with these piles of money like <laughs> i don't know she's handled weird like that character is handled in a very odd way in like televised, like in, in like a live action context. I just feel mm-hmm. like I, I'm not really sure, but I've always been, you know, it's, it's kind of confusing that like wonder woman herself can fly, but then like in the TV show and like the old 70s show had like an invisible plane, which mm-hmm. um, is such a weird grounding of her powers uh, to have right. like a thing. Like it was just easier to show her sitting down or whatever on a green screen. I like, right? She's a hard character. I I don't know why she's nerfed for film and TV. Uh, I guess is what I'm. Yeah, I mean, like sometimes a lot of it is the superficiality of comics, or at least the perception of that. So I've said this a lot uh, on the podcast and off of it that there's just this thing where. With comic books, I don't know if it's because it's just fundamentally appearances or whatever. People who don't really know much about the stories and the, the, their long history, they have a sense that if they see something in the comic, uh, they immediately assume they get the whole thing. And so a good example is, you know, they know about her jumping around and kicking. She has a kind of a karate thing going on <laughs> almost. Um, and they know about the jet. So they're just like, oh, well, she probably doesn't fly. And you get all these depictions where she just doesn't do that, forgetting that she's flown for since. I mean, I can't. I don't know when the origin is, but my entire lifetime and probably twenty years prior, she's flown just like Superman. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's similar. Um. There's a thing where she blocks bullets with her bracelets because she's that fast. And there are writers who have wanted to because they want her to do that. They've wanted to make her, um, 
uh, what do you call it? Like um, susceptible to, to bullets yeah. or stabbing yeah, yeah, with weapons and stuff, which to me is like just because they're aware of that motif of her blocking bullets with the bracelets, they need to create this nearly incoherent physicality where she can be punched in the face by somebody that can split planets and just like, oh, I hate that. But that like she can, she's just like, oh, a, yeah, a, a fingernail file. Like, oh, you, I'm, I'm bleeding to death. Like it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. And I understand there's difference between like penetrative force versus, you know, concussive force and stuff, but they, they, they can't be so greatly, separable and then why like right. you know what what is the point of as you mentioned sort of nerfing her yeah yeah like i i mean because there was like a failed show that was gonna get put on uh mm-hmm. <clears throat> i feel like nbc before uh like the dcu kind of sprung off but uh yeah like i <clears throat> i feel like she People just haven't really known what to do with her in a lot of ways. She's just been she right. keeps getting mishandled, and I think that's just the point we've kind of been circling. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well let's get into the comic a little bit. Let's talk specifically about the um, the art. Uh, I am not overly familiar with JG Jones. I, I I think he did some work on New Fifty Two that was really good. Um, or sorry, sorry, not uh, um, just Fifty Two. Do you remember that? Like the um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Um, but what did you guys think about the art? I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was weird until you mentioned it at the top of this episode. I was like, why was there only one cover? Because like, Alex Ross did the cover, I assume. <laughs> uh, I assume that was Alex Ross. I don't believe so. Oh, really? I don't know. It was, okay, yeah. it was just a very like photorealistic, uh, photorealistic cover. Yeah. For... I think it's J.G. Jones. I think just doing both. Okay. a more like kind of articulate you oh, know weird. detailed okay. painterly version of, of his work it uh, and to that end like it's worth commenting that like you know you'll see people do their comic art and assume that you know that's how they would do any art like if they did a <laughs> painting that they would do it just a large version of that yeah but obviously there's a there are time constraints that ha- make the art need to be less like kind of um in-depth and detailed or whatever but these covers are really interesting. Like, no, this is when the person gets to focus on just a single yeah, issue and how, how good it can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the art throughout. I like the design of Batman. Like I, I like this kind of Batman where it's like, um, like you can see like the skin around his eyes through the eye holes and stuff like that. Like he's mm-hmm. not, uh, like he, he can, he kind of just looks like a dude. And that's good because he is a dude. Like he is nothing but just a regular dude when Wonder Woman right. is involved, you know? Like it doesn't matter how cool he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think so. I mean I'm I might differ with you there a little bit, um, just because I think that in other ways he seems bizarrely um competent. I mean not that Batman's not competent, but like there is a way it's like, oh that really being shows shown as equals here, and I'm not sure how physically that works, but he is yeah. the bat, so I'm not going to take too <laughs> yeah. much away. I mean, yeah. also, I don't know that I would say that he's being shown to be very competent throughout this com- comic book, because he does nearly, like, let a woman die on his, like, right, on his right. watch, like, several times, but... Com- uh, yeah, you're right. Competent was the wrong word. I just meant, like, 
formidables maybe yeah, a better yeah. Word. sure like, yeah, yeah yeah like there's even a moment and i don't want to skip too far ahead but where uh they're you know sort of the climax of the book where they as like the implication is like we would just fight forever i guess <laughs> i almost wanted a woman to be like yeah forever <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or until i lose patience <laughs> and throw yeah. you into the sun yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah just exactly. break your neck yeah yeah, um, but we'll get into there that physicality later because I, it is worth uh, spending a lot of attention just to the appearance. One of the thing, I mean, just we're talking about um, the Batman design. I thought it was interesting that like this is very silhouette driven Batman, mm-hmm. let's say, because this is all cape and mask and pointy ears. Um, they're not doing the he's got an interesting set of like interlocking, you know, reticulated cyber armor, Batman. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. they very much want to air on, like, how, you know, bulletproof he appears. This is him in the Batman, like, he, he could have just got that T-shirt and that's <laughs> Batman. Yeah, I'm very, yeah. like, conflicted yeah. about that, by the way. If, like, mm-hmm. I prefer, like, the hard suit or, like, the, like, seemingly spandex. Because typically, I think I prefer, like, his suit like looking like it has some armor to it that like, you know, he's not going to like take a bullet and, you know, go down. But then like, you know, then sometimes you get him like full cyber bat. I'm like, I don't like this as much either. Um, Yeah. I'm with you. I I like a little bit of a combo. I agree. I don't want him to look like a bat Iron Man. You know, I, I I think it needs to look lithe and flexible and like, cause it needs to say like martial artist and ninja. But I sort of agree that in, especially when he's confronting more Superman level characters or just he's in the Justice League, I need you to make me think he's physically formidable with because of the nature of his armor and his gadgets that he can also stand up to people who can run nearly the speed of light right. or, as you mentioned, could throw him into the sun. Especially like, when he's you know. going up against someone like Diana where he can't like just, you know, like throw like a red sun grenade in her direction and be like, okay, you're like temporarily have like the strength of a normal person. Uh, I love it. Somebody on Twitter, actually, when I posted that we were reading this was talking about like this image specifically, this cover um, (laughs) is a great cover on the art, which is that we should mention. Yeah. Um, but where it's like, Oh, where's that green kryptonite ring now? Uh, (laughs) Cause it's, it's true that we always forget that like Superman has so many built in weaknesses that can be exploited, but like, Diana essentially has none. I mean, you can, again, if you want to jack off with that whole thing, like, well, you know, uh, somebody has a, a stiletto, like she shits her pants yeah, and yeah. dies. She's, but well, like, she's bound I, by I, a I think it's, yeah. I, I think, it, oh yeah, those, oh, yeah, that's a little older too. The yeah. idea that like her weakness is she's bound by a man. I'm glad they got rid of that too. And well, to speak yeah. to that, like that there, but there was always a feminist angle because the whole point that Marston was just explicit about it is that like, the point of her being bound wasn't that like, oh, she's weak. It was to be able to constantly write these stories where Wonder Woman would break Breaking out her of bonds. bondage. Yeah. That the point was about women sure. overcoming okay. yeah. masculine bondage or whatever. But you have to bind them to get to write that scene right. of them breaking their yeah. uh, bonds or whatever. And, but anyway, yeah, so it's just funny that like Batman going up against Wonder Woman, it's just he doesn't have as many obvious tricks. I mean, there's this extra ultra prep that he can do with Tower of Babel, like in that story. But without amazing planning, it's like he just has to. Yeah. Like, I mean, hope she doesn't want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, I 
I don't want to get too far deep into like the combat physics at work here, but I think mm. it was pretty clear that he didn't really pose like any sort of like physical threat. And he was kind of just like right. boasting that he did. And she was like, yeah, okay. Um, even though I do want to say, I think a smart idea, if you want to like have him like kind of even the, pl- or give himself some sort of advantage is you know, if he like used his smoke grenades or, you know, some sort of like obfuscation since she's not like Superman sure. and can like, you know, see through, uh, walls. But, um, but no, sorry, I got off track though because we were talking about uh, Batman's like his uh, looks in this uh, mm. uh, novel. I fucking loved how uh, Wendy was depicted throughout this novel. I loved how her armor looked. I love how she mm. looked in general. Like she yeah. very looked like like classic like Amazonian, um, like what you would uh, think of. And then, mm-hmm. um, like I said, her armor is great, and I love like her like kind of like her like casual outfits too because i love how like you know we have one scene of her just in like a like a tank top and like some pants uh chilling at her house and then like a few scenes later we see her doing this like chilling at her house but she's like full-on has like a toga um which i love that idea of like you know like i totally would buy that you know someone from like ancient greece who has lived all these years is like oh yeah i do like a soft like cotton like tank top sometimes but like i also enjoy my robes like my fucking togas so well yeah and and yeah i mean there's so much you said there one i do have to add and you'll probably remember this because i think you probably saw this episode of qi too togas were not casual robes togas were gigantic curtainy like yeah yeah 19 feet long but i but just because i know that i can't not be pedantic and mention it (laughs) but but yes i agree like it there is a cool thing that they're doing in this where you get to see her in these various garbs that represent different sort of like aspects Mm -hmm. it's a weird thing to talk about like she has different time periods that are contained within this one character Mm -hmm. it's it's super cool and yeah it gets visually demonstrated um, she looks great. The, we have the sort of, I think, quintessential Wonder Woman uh, costume or or outfit or whatever. Um, some people like more with the pants. I don't know. I know some people think maybe it's overly sexualized that she's in this kind of like metallic swimsuit a lot of the time. But <laughs> I think that that also not only is true to the Morrison uh, vision, but it's true to I think the concept of Wonder Woman, at least the one that I appreciate, which is that she's sex positive and supposed to be. Um, there, she, it's a, you know, a kind of feminine sexuality that doesn't require masculine, you know, permission. Um, mm-hmm. and I actually like, there are some scenes in this, there are some depictions of her, like when they're first doing Hikatea that I think are just straight, straight up sexy. She's just being effortlessly like sexy. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it doesn't feel very male gazy either. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel, I'm not saying this is like, you know, I'm not a lesbian or a woman or anything like that. So it's hard for me to like, but like I give the lesbian approval award <laughs> for this, but I, it just feels like a very healthy and like unapologetic and unshamed kind of sexuality. And it's just cool. Yeah. And it's also like uh, worth note, keeping in mind that she is, you know, like a, like ancient Greek, like pagan so it is mm-hmm. wild to think that you know she would care about like things like modesty yeah yeah no i agree 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an older form where of power and sexuality where she's like, well, the good news is we are gonna all have uh, a sexual orgy. It's, well, I guess as that's opposed the, to well, kind of orgy. very well, it, the very way platonic I eat, orgy. like a gluttonous orgy of food. Uh, well, anyway, like she's like, we're gonna have an orgy and everything, but we are also going to cut your arms off. So it's very <laughs> complicated, the old world. Anyway. So yeah, the art yeah, art's fantastic. To that end, also some of just the visual choices. Um, oh oh, before I say that, the colors I thought were very well done. I I don't yeah. usually call out specifically how good the colors are, but I think the colors are beautiful, masterful, moody as hell. Yeah, this comic is very moody, and the colors do that really well. Um, just think of like the heavily pink rose shades in this initial appearance like yeah. uh, the, the the sort of telling the original uh story of hikatea or like kind of as yeah. it's kind of it's what a cool way to kind of do this antiquated like it doesn't even require the text of like earlier like right. you know you know 600 bc or whatever they're just like let's just make stuff kind of pink and yeah. that way they'll <laughs> know it was earlier um just wonderful warm tones great inking because it's great use of shadow this whole time yeah i mean just doing awesome work yeah. And like, um, you know, like with the like framing device in the narrative of, you know, because we start out with Wonder Woman like reflecting in her house, talking about how she's um, like homesick for the mascara because it's never this cold on the island, uh, right. and there's like a big blizzard outside, and like that scene does feel so so different, like than the like actual narrative taking place, um. You know, so like I, I do think like yeah, the colors were, the coloring was like brilliant and it's like spot mm-hmm. on. And the panel design, like the 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 composition in some of these shots are really amazing. There is a I think yeah some some of the panels in this are just amazing. Uh, now let's not go in too much into this moment because I definitely want to talk about it in detail. Um, but just to remind you, her punching Batman off the balcony visually that is fantastically dynamic you get some of that effect by changing Mm -hmm. the perspective rapidly so it at first comes from his perspective where she's looking at him and then we switch very quickly and it's a two page splash page and it's just (laughs) fucking cool and again this cover if if that doesn't say like we're going to reevaluate how fucking awesome wonder woman is then to have her foot on Batman's head and it plays into the story too. It's just a, it's a big moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, there, like she is like kind of what you were talking about earlier is there are moments when the, yeah. When, um, Willis is like making the, is, is doing the Hikatea ritual or like mm-hmm. Diana is just kind of fucking posing. Like she's on a camera. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She is gorgeous in every scene. She's just like, yeah, she's okay. just fucking serving. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, before we get into the story, uh, anything else on the art, by the way? No, I, I, I dig it entirely. I, I dig it across the board. I like the Hecatea, like the Hecatea, like, or the Furies or the Enrias or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very creepy. Like I like yeah. I am I am actually I was very creeped out by their design <laughs> even though they are a little bit of 
everything I've seen from a Greek monster and or like demigod right. monster or whatever. You know, like they're nothing. They were they're not really new in that uh, in that like department. The bloody mouths. The are bloody mouths. I, I was like, disturbing. that's such a good touch. Just the perpetually yeah. bloody mouth was just enough for I was like, all right, yep, this isn't this creeps me out in a way that it never has. I also. Before. The the snake hair is is a bit disturbing, but yeah. we like I said we we do have that in, in a very pop mythology sense. It does make them seem gorgony, which is not the right kind of set of concepts. But I agree, the bloody mouth works. Oh, I also just people. really like how they're always like, um, like colored with like very like cool to like neutral tones, um, like which mm-hmm. really make them like fade into the background very easily, which is really good when they're not like in focus and you can kind of like ignore them and then like mm-hmm. you know they're so it's like very shocking when they're like up in like uh your face and also like they just contrast so well against like diana um and and they're i think it's also they're going for a kind of like mythological reference because they're supposed to be of the darkness right. um wait yeah, they the, were in the, the darkness deities right yeah cool the band yes that's what i'm going for yeah, uh, no, no. From they're literally from. Uh, well, it's, there's different stories, I guess, or or origins, but they're supposed to be, at least in some cases, the children of Nyx, which is night, and Erebus, which is darkness. And um, and I think that that's that's they're always kind of shaded, even when they wouldn't be shaded. They all all have a kind of purpley hue. They're always under hoods and things like that. I don't know why I made that Yiddish <laughs> hoods uh, or whatever, <laughs> but yeah. Um. So yeah, they're they're really disturbing, and it's a really good it's good kind of horror design and horror art, and they need to be that. Um, but yeah, I, so back to this cover and just the idea of I think unfortunately because we do live I guess in a sexist society or we live in a, a, a fan culture that has a tendency to just go by the inertia of in the DC world. Superman and Batman and kind of everybody else, It's I think this does a lot of work to say, no, remember, Wonder Woman is a badass. Now, I will say, I think that there is something cool about the DC's mm-hmm. trinity. Um, I have a tendency to criticize DC's kind of um, topography, let's say, with their characters. I think they're over overly hierarchical. Um, I think I like Marvel's better, which is like, there, you know, there isn't one or two characters that are the most important, you know, between, you know, the Avengers, like with Captain America, Iron Man and Thor, you also have the X-Men, you have the Spider-Man. It feels like a lot of different overlapping landscapes as opposed to one big mountain. But I will say there is something cool about that you get in DC, which is like you have a bunch of superheroes and, you know, gods and monsters and all that kind of stuff. But the three characters that nobody fucks <laughs> with uh, or that really do seem to stand above are sort of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Now, I know there's been some debate lately about whether Flash should be on that Trinity mm. or Green Lantern or whatever, but... I love the I Flash think, and the Green Lantern, obviously, yeah. and no, they yeah. should not. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it just, like, these, it this, is a, this is a power pyramid. Like, we were taught to eat, like, our diet in the 90s. You know right. what I mean? It's just, it works real well, and... I, yeah, I don't know. Everything else sort of falls under the umbrella of what these three characters. Plus, like, represent if those three show up, place. like any character, like any villain is going to be like, oh shit! Like, if yes. if those yeah, three yeah, plus like, like the Flash show up, they're going to be like, oh sh- oh, why is the Flash here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't go that far, but I I agree. They they're they like the have... uh, the primary colors, right? 
of the DC universe, you know? Like, right. The red, green, yeah, that's, blue. that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yellow, blue, red, and yellow. black. Um, and, and, and there's a sense, too, by the way, uh, we were talking about Batman's outfit so much. Sometimes Batman has that armor and all that kind of shit, but sometimes what he's really wearing, and I think what he's wearing in this, based especially how he talks, he's wearing his factor. He's wearing his plot armor. And I don't mean just he has it we know about it. I mean, it's almost like he's saying to people, I'm fucking Batman, I'm gonna win. That's how this works. What I love, and, and again, there are only there's really only Wonder Woman and... Um, Superman, who consistently can just push back against that. The moment, again, I think it's, for me, the moment of this comic where, you know, he tries to pull his Batman big dick out, basically. He tries like, I'm Batman. And she puts his hand on his chest, yeah. her hand in his chest, and is like, no, it doesn't work that way. Now, I'm the person you don't get to do that to. Real yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I did want to say also just uh, one more thing about the Trinity that I think is really cool about how they relate to each other. It's not just that DC has these three characters that are great and they're, they're the big boys or big siblings or whatever. Or whatever. Uh, it's that they conceptually relate mm-hmm. to each other in a really interesting way. They have this different kind of temporal aspect um, because with Superman, right? Superman is the man of tomorrow. And his it's not just that he's a really powerful, strong space god. His comic books all sort of speak to a futurist and a an, uh, design and an optimism. All these cities uh, that are technologically advanced, you know, from Candor and Krypton, but also like Metropolis is like this great futuristic, like aspirational city. You know, Wonder Woman is very clearly about history, about antiquity. She's about the, the Epcot. And well, the connection and Magic that we might... I said she's the Epcot. Well, I guess she's also the Magic Kingdom. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah, but the point is just that, like, and I think that's really what works about her is that, like, that, um, I think Al Ewing described it as, like, the Hercules in Manhattan (laughs) thing, like, the idea of, like, the uh, mythological figure in the modern world. So she's got that. And so she's a lot like us, but she's about what we're not anymore. And then Batman, who is the grim and gritty, undeniable present. You know, so they, they really work together, and it's really cool to get to see their relationship here, at least Batman and Wonder Woman's. Yeah. Um, a, yeah but yeah, that's so really let's... a good comparison. I like that. I didn't even think about them in, like, tenses so much. Well, I wouldn't have either, really, except this comic just fleshes it out really strongly, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and... You know, another reason to pick this, I guess, as a, a Wonder Woman story is that, like, she's supposed to be Greek and she's, it's an antiquity. And what better than an explicitly intended Greek tragedy, which is mm. what this comic is. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll just say going forward, like, the writing here is uh, just impressive because it's incredibly economical. This is, this, they do a lot in a very short space here. There's a lot of story. I could see this being a 12-issue comic if they wanted to, if they wanted to go into it. But it's there's something nice about it. Like, let's just do all the major beats in a very quick mm-hmm. uh, way. Yeah, there was a part of me um, that for a second was like, this would be a really fun story to tell over like a span of like 50 years where Batman just never stopped trying to <laughs> come after yeah. her supplicant. Yeah. You know, just like, right. he was like, all right, we cool, we cool. And then like for a month, a couple of months, let's her guard go down or whatever and then he just comes busting in trying to take her maid or whatever uh like i was like that would be a really fun story just to i mean to illustrate which like the one thing batman does have for him which is like a lack of you know quit you know (laughs) like he is he is just someone who 
will let you underestimate him until he yeah you know um, until he yeah, dies of old age until he dies yeah and <laughs> then he leaves you out of his will and that's yeah. his great revenge <laughs> yeah. um yeah so like okay so the way our story works the way it begins is um we get introduced to hecatea hecatea um which is this ritual of supplica- uh, supplication in sort of the in antiquity it, it apparently is real i mean i had i had heard about this before and didn't realize i i've this is the most articulated version of this ritual like the only time i had ever sort of heard about this was um priam i think that's the same priam 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 hector's father does this to achilles hmm. like when he's trying to get hector's body back because achilles is like really pissed that his lover i mean now we say his lover was killed by hector is it petroculus or something like that but Pet- Patroclus or whatever, um, and he has basically all the power and all the cards because he has he's they've the Greeks have all but one. They have the he's killed Hector, and then his father, you know, basically supplicates himself to Achilles to get the the thing back. And Achilles goes with it because it's a very powerful position. You've basically have now this person totally at your mercy or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we they we get a generic kind of description in the beginning that's placed in antiquity where this slave is like, or this person runs to, uh, from a crowd of people who are mad, clearly going to kill him. And he, uh, pledges Hecatea to this upstart person, uh, or not upstart, sorry, uh, uh this, this, Upright, um, yeah. well-to-do aristocrat. We get a sense of that. And then, uh, we also see that the other part is for the gods to break or disrespect Hecatea is uh, a punishable by the Furies, these agents of revenge in the most brutal way possible. Um, and I think I described it well. The idea is, is that, I guess, in Hecatea, once you you pledge yourself as basically the, the supplicant, the, the servant, the, and it's almost a slave to uh, a, your, I guess, master in a sense. But the hitch is that they have to complete, you're totally under their protection, but also the, the supplicant, the person who asks for that protection is the only person who can end it. So that's the yeah, kind of hitch. It's kind of yeah. like a more um, a ritualistic form of uh, like a concept that I think a lot of older cultures uh, have where is, you know, the idea is like if, you know, if someone like comes to your door, like seeking shelter, like you are to welcome right. them into your home. And if you welcome someone into your home, you are to treat them as a guest which is, you know, is you're supposed right. to feed them and, you know, uh, treat them well, uh, which... Uh, like sanctuary, like the rite of sanctuary or something. That, yeah. Like, right. Would have been... Um, yeah. Or parlay in yeah, pirate parlay. language. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I was thinking about this, you know, because, uh, like you said, it is a real thing, and I was really, like, pondering, like, what kind of purpose is served. And it actually like when I was really thinking about it, like it actually makes a lot of sense as, um, as far as like a large kind of loosely knit community. Um, if you know, mm-hmm. if you want to think about ancient Greece as that as to, um, basically have this like, um, mythology around like, you know, uh, look, if you, if someone comes like to you and is like completely like, you know, out of fucking luck and just like completely pledges themselves to you uh you should do this uh, or you'll die um but don't worry if they like break their promise to you they'll die 
um, which like, you know, obviously isn't real. Um, but like, it makes sense because <laughs> I was thinking about this, like as, you know, as like such a, like a loosely, you know, they didn't have like a centralized governmental system in ancient Greece. Um, but it depends on it. Well, the sure. Time. But I mean, like, you know, they're like, even at like their height of like, you know, they're like cover like centralized governments. They, those weren't like super far reaching and there would still be like nearby islands that would oh, be. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're like the Greek, the Greek world itself didn't right. have one as opposed to sort of it. Yeah. Again, it depends on the time, but yeah. Cause there was more articulated, like during the Peloponnesian war, you have exactly, states, yeah. you know, but, but Athens would have been a relatively large empire. So would Sparta. So you, but I, I get your point. I yeah. Didn't but so like, ahead, it makes sense that like, it's a good way to in, like, to ensure like some level of safety for your population and that like your um your culture kind of like proliferates and that like the idea is like you know if you're ever like lost out in the wild because you ventured on like beyond your village or like you know something drove you out and you're kind of right. fucked but you come upon a house you know if you perform this right then those like you know the people who are taking you in will know that you are of the same culture of as them so and like thus like we'll feel bound to do this and like you know take care of you or whatever and they'll feel like somewhat protected because you know they'll think you wouldn't dare break this because you'd murder them or whatever so like it makes sense that like that would kind of (laughs) offer like a level of protection to like you know people who were part of the greek culture at the time to like you know be like well we're both greek so we'll keep we'll keep on helping each other live yeah breaking it up well the w- the few articles i was able to read for this also suggested that like m- maybe ironically most of the time when it's used in classic examples because zeus also has this happen to at some point in the iliad uh and it's usually cynical uh. like they there is this distinction between this ritual and law that they're under versus what their actual intention right intentions are so achilles accepts that one, because he knows Zeus wants him to accept it, because when you're asked to, to take on Hecatea, you're su- basically supposed to, unless you have some yeah. reason not to. Um, but also he understands he's going to basically have tremendous political advantage by having the former Trojan king uh, against his rival of to the Greek people, right. Memnon. And so there, most of the famous examples of this are kind of like, you know, you're taking on this, but to your own advantage. So it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. It's depicted here as if it's this incredible boon of generosity. And for Diana, it is. But it, the examples that are probably the most famous in, in history and uh, are kind of them being shitty about well, it. Away. Yeah, because you're not going to, like, keep telling stories for eons about, like, some <laughs> olive farmer who, you right. know, fell off, like, a fence post and broke his leg and then had to stay at like his you know like a neighboring village for a few weeks right you know yeah, yeah. but it's well, like that's the no true punchbacks but... of like calling punch <laughs> right you know that's true but I, I think the point is that like isn't it interesting that the most like sort of paramount depictions of this are of it being yeah, subverted <laughs> like we're of messy it being, bitches yeah. who love drama yeah, fair, well, yeah, especially but, the Greeks. Okay, so anyway. Well, I was going to say, also, I have to assume that a lot of those are tragedies, and kind of the point is like, ooh, look at them trying to abuse this thing, and then they paid a horrible consequence. Right, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And moreover, even inherent to it 
is this interesting distinction between, and I think that it's very germane to like what we're talking about today, this distinction between the kind of wants and desires or even moral intuitions right. of the people versus this broader law that they also have to be subservient mm-hmm. to or 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 in their they are uh, sub, uh, right. subordinate to yeah um so basically sorry to get back to our story um oh also what we get is away from just this uh explanation to us what hecatea is we get the sort of early story of danielle wellis um she's this sort of Really cool looking, honestly, kind of yeah, badass yeah. girl who's murdering people in Gotham. A series of people. And Batman is on her trail. We note that she's killed some people. And what we see in, in her first, like, you know, tussling with this Eminem look. All the bad people, all the bad guys in this are Eminem. Uh, <laughs> she, she kills him with a stiletto. You have a strong sense that she's morally interesting and not just some piece of shit. But she's committed murder. And Batman has got to take her down, essentially. Now, what's interesting about Batman is, I think, he's this sort of contemporary fury, right? Is that there is this law. It's not ritualistic in the same way precisely, but there's this sort of set of laws that murder's wrong regardless of the circumstances. And Batman's idea is like, she might have an interesting story, but I have to observe, you know, our law now and is after her. So... There, that that's what I'm saying. Like you, it the idea of the sort of temporal dif- difference, the ancient versus the contemporary with Diana and Batman. It's it's right. The conflict is right, right there. It's no, wore out really right cool. in front of our faces. Yeah. I like. I I think that's really interesting and like something I didn't even really pick up on. Mainly, uh, mainly because I was laughing at Batman the whole time. Like <laughs> uh, like and and. and that's such a rare occurrence where it's like the whole time. Like I, I think we're all supposed to go, Oh, you're cute about what Batman's doing. And <clears throat> yeah, like he, I, I don't think so actually. Yeah. Like I, I think we have read enough comics and we also have a certain embedded, um, awareness of the physics like that, you know, like it just seems like she's a, mountain cracking superhuman and he's like a street level detective but i think the story wants us to sort of just take seriously that batman is not totally to be yeah denied. what like oh yeah i think yeah. it's supposed to kind of yeah be like we're like watching a like a fight between like two co-workers in an office and you're like oh shit or better yet, like maybe like two people yeah, in a bar yeah. where you're like oh shit this could like oh that's this could get like intro- oh what are they gonna do um yeah, no, and, that, and 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 it's yeah. like that one dude's way where, bigger like, and stronger, Batman, but I'm pretty sure the other guy has a knife. So like, like the one big thing about Batman is that like he will adapt to a situation, and like right. having to adapt to Wonder Woman being the obstacle is a weird yeah. speed bump in your process or whatever. But like his one attempt, like his first attempt to try and subvert this whole issue, which we can talk about when we get there, uh, was kind of handled like, all right, stop it. You know, just like picking him up by his collar, you know? Yeah, but let's, I agree, let's wait on it. Because if you go through the panels there, uh, he's kind of assuming she's not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but but so anyway, so the idea, of course, I mean, we haven't said it yet, but anybody is going to pick this up. Um, also, you should read this comic, but Please. even if you have it, you probably guessed. So Danielle had planned, she's evading uh, Batman. Uh, you know, Batman almost kills her when she dives out of his clutches, you know, when he scoops her up. And she goes to Diana, and she's aware of the the Hikatea ritual. Um, later on, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit just for this part. We find out she's actually been cued by the Arrhenius, yeah. right? Uh, the Eumenides, the, the Furies or whatever. So she is kind of set up, which is fucked up. But anyway, um, so she goes to Diana to, to seek her protection. And it's a really wonderful uh, notion of, of who Diana is. It's a great demonstration and great characterization because... She does the ritual and she gets on her knees, you know, puts her head at Diana's knee and her, her hands on her feet. And uh, Diana knows nothing about her situation. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know about uh, uh, guilt or innocence. She doesn't know about Batman. She just takes this sort of leap of faith um, and uh, accepts, uh, you know, responsibility and res- uh, accepts Daniel's supplication. I mean, why wouldn't she? Right, like th- I mean, okay. There's well, a there's part a of this. big yeah. why wouldn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. Which well, okay, is... I know, but the, like you got to think about like all of this takes place within like a hundred yards of Diana's house. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it's all either inside her house or out on the sidewalk in front of her house. Um, right. And we are sort of reminded of her timelessness or whatever her like her infinitude. So, mm-hmm. in this moment, like it, I, I don't know. I was just like, well, obviously she's gonna, she's gonna be like, oh shit, somebody said Hecatea for the first time in three hundred years or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So like, I, there's parts actually, of it where I, I it's disagree like, disagree with you, but okay. See, I don't know. I keep reading her as like, no, nah, I just this is what we used to do, and like, she's yeah, just no, going I think with it. So let me push back. No, because I think that there's a sense where, um. Diana's good Greek and she knows a tragedy when she sees one and she very much smells a rat. Um, and I think she's very suspicious. And if you look at those panels again, she's not like, Oh, heck let's do it. I'm always for it. I think that she's well aware of how dangerous this duty is. Like that's what I think makes this a great sacrifice is despite the fact that she understands okay. the implications of this could be her ruin, this person's ruin. And I'm not just sort of like guessing here. There's a thing that she says at one point. I think this makes her fascinating. And this is fascinating characterization about where she is in time is that um, later on, uh, Danielle sort of mentions about like, I wanted to be like you and the Furies demanded that this deserves, that the law had to be observed. And Diana says, yeah, the law Mm 3000 years ago. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense where, Diana herself is divided in time that she knows that she's honor bound and maybe bound in a more profound sort of deified holy way to these laws. But I think she's well aware of their consequences and that they will not fit into the contemporary world, not for this girl and not for the larger sense. And I wanted to say something real quick about Batman. When Batman tries to do something about this, he doesn't just say, I'm a badass and I'm going to do something. He says like, do you want me to get the NYPD involved? Like, do we need to get them settled? In other words, Batman represents far more than just his batarangs and money. He represents all of contemporary. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
eventually you're not going to be able to hide this murderer this whole world is going to come after it it has you know because <laughs> yeah. it's not allowed now um i also speaking <laughs> yeah. of uh how this fits into diana's characterization probably like my favorite um like line in this uh novel is when she's um uh like thinking on the events uh in like the framing device and she's like if i knew now what would happen when i accepted her hegatea would i still have accepted it she's like i don't know probably and i just like i love that i think it's so interesting it's like a right like such a good reflection and just such like a interesting like insight into her mind i agree and i think that like greek tragedies are filled with the uh, sets of possibilities here that don't really change the tragic right. nature so you know generally the idea is that a tragedy is when a character's nature or their fate or what have you you know leads to their ruin something about generally their personality but the point is is that they have not but to fulfill their own destiny which is ruin right but the thing is is that there are different characters some of which are aware of what's going to happen with their implications some of which they're not but it doesn't change the mm. tragic nature there's an interesting question about like how much self-awareness does anything good example is oedipus obviously his ig fundamental ignorance leads to his downfall but antigone which i think is a better example when she makes her decision she knows exactly what's going to happen she can she just can't help but honor mm. her father like and and do something about that his corpse is is maintained but she knows that she's going to come into conflict with the the political rule at the time so it's like what knowing doesn't necessarily get you out of mm -hmm. your fate <clears throat> yeah so, I don't, like i the one thing i the, the one thing i want to like back up on was I don't mm -hmm. think like Wonder Woman wanted to necessarily uh, do it for the fun of like being right, right, right above it or whatever. I, I I feel like there was something about home. I don't know that like was mm -hmm. a part of it, but I she also was the only one who could see the Arrhenes or the Arrhenes or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's true. I don't, I, and I wasn't trying to dismiss your point too, because I don't think you're wrong that there's a familiarity there for her. And I do think there's kind of an automaticity to it. In other words, I do think you're right that she is kind of like, this is a person that is doing this ritual and, and what it represents, which is that she is running from something. She needs my protection and she yeah. gives it. But I just think that Diana is aware of how bad this is probably, or at least could get you know, when she does it, she does it sort of despite those things, which I think makes for a more heroic sort of moment in a sense. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like for the, it's like, okay, for the mystery, you know, like, like, okay, let's solve how any of this even makes sense right now. And we have a strong sense too, that this ritual that is deeply important to Diana also is sort of irrespective of what the fuck may have happened or why it happens as a matter of fact very quickly we go right into like okay she's sort of a servant mode like she's now it's like you're okay i'm protecting you you're gonna work for me but daniel trot really wants diana to know why she needed her protection and there's something really interesting about diana being like shut up no it doesn't matter that's not what this is about 
And I think there's something really interesting and godly about her um, reaction to this where it's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not judging you correct. Don't like, in other words, like you, I'm, it, it isn't, it isn't the case that I'm going to absolve you of what you did morally. Cause maybe it is really bad. It's that I have a duty to protect you despite whatever mm, your yeah. story is. Yeah. Um, as if to say like your story's got nothing to do with this. Like, but, and, and it's not as if Diana wouldn't be sympathetic. It's just, that's not what the Hecate right. is about. Um, and then to, to get to kind of the point here, Bruce is after her, finally figures out, obviously probably not happy when he figured out. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. That could know, be a fun day. In the not back that he's going to yeah. change course. Oh, shit. This is a Hecate. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, I really hope that it's star Plug sapphire. <laughs> um, so, and he confronts Diana, like, you know, as we mentioned, uh, she's she's a killer. She's got to come with me. And he, there is a kind of smug, like, oh, she didn't tell you about the whole murders thing, huh? Or whatever. And Diana rebukes and repels the Dark Knight. Yeah. Hey. And I, I do want to... Real... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, real quick. I just want to understand the difference between in the Hikatea in the beginning... How did mm-hmm. that the, the guy fucked up by being mean to the poor person? No, he after kills him he the kills house? the servant. He kills the servant and tries to hide it. The deal is, and that the very peculiar thing about Hikatea is that the supplicant is the only one that can end it. Okay, okay. He so tri- like, he, he was so obligated to this dude that he tried to get out of it by killing him. And he do- and yeah. really the killing is just like the grandiose way. Right. Um he sure. can't he can't end the relationship like in a contempt in a normal like fucked up let's be clear slave yeah. situation the master dictates the servitude in this yeah. case the slave again just not that it is a slave but like slave in this case is the one who decides how long the relationship will go uh yeah also in those like okay. panels uh when they're showing like him uh, like this man like breaking the hecate it is uh really interesting uh or i mean not sorry lost my train of thought sorry ash is like sitting here coughing with his tongue out and it's really funny um all right <laughs> let me start with that. uh so mm-hmm. uh, in the panels where the man is like trying to get out of the hecate uh you like see him like you like i think the artist does a really good job of like showing a man who's like fed up with somebody being in his house and trying to get him out of his house violently <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's just like get out of here <laughs> uh, he's like s- s- flipping yeah. tables and shit I also, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I also wanted to okay. say, like, uh, and just real quick, because you know, I I think there, uh, like, there's one kind of like funny thing about Batman's role in this story, and it's like I don't want to mm-hmm. linger on it too long because like it's just something silly. It's not a critique because it's really not what the story is like about or dealing with. Uh, but I right. do think it's really funny that Batman shows up on Wonder Woman's door. He's like, I need to stop this woman. She's like, Oh. Um, I can't let you do that. He's like, oh, yeah, well, she's a murderer. And she's like, well, I still can't let you. And then she's like, well, I'm a vigilante murderer. Like, those murders were justified. He's like, you can't (laughs) be a vigilante. She's like, well, what are you? He's like, I'm not a murderer. It's like, well, what about Red Skull? (laughs) What about him? He just has guns being a vigilante. Is that? Red Red Hood. Hood. Thank you. Uh, Red Skull is from uh, Red Skull is a Nazi. Yeah, damn. 
That was, no, that was a good. I mean, that was a real good, like, hard circular conversation point, like for the whole, like for the way that whole thing plays yeah. out. Because then at that point, Batman has to realize, and we might be. I mean, I, I, I think like this whole thing is just like Batman's like, all right, I'm gonna look that shit up. I'll be right back. He goes home. And <laughs> oh <that> yeah. <laughs> well, Red Hood doesn't exist. Oh, okay, yet. I was curious. Um, in the comics. And and but that could be significant because like and maybe not so much. Um because I there isn't a ready person in my head that I can think that Batman tolerates killing in the way that like they've kind of glossed over a little bit. Though there have also been stories to try to get Red Hood yeah, to kill yeah. less. So Red Hood is a little bit in the Bat family now and I'm pretty sure like he's been kind of reembraced. Like he goes to brunch with Dick and stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Yeah, kill that anymore. makes sense. Because yeah, and I he trade the guns in. Yeah, because I don't really. And, well, he just has rubber bullets. He just safely yeah. brains people with a crowbar. Yeah, he's not. A well, I was gonna say yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of important because yeah, it is hard for like Batman to be against murder and then like oh, I hang out with murderers though it's cool they do it for the and, right don't get me wrong well, and all, they do it for the right reasons that's right I I, right. I get to I decided that I'm the judge of when killing's right and wrong and Batman is used in this story in a way that they do distill down un, a complicated yeah. history to something a little bit more refined in a way that you might have a, uh, a comic book where Superman doesn't kill even though there have been right, times right when right and again, this so, isn't like a critique of how Batman's portrayed in the story. I just it was mm-hmm. a, a thought that occurred well, I, to me yeah, that I thought it. was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah no, I agree, and, and it's hard not to think of that. Um, but in so in this case, also, I think the issue is that like, you know, Batman's not un- unsympathetic to or wouldn't be unsympathetic to her plight either. It's just that you can't kill people. Yeah, yeah. In, in, and in they have opinion. that cool moment where Diana's like, "No, like I, like I literally, I cannot let you take her." And he's like, "Okay, well, I literally cannot stop until I take her." So, yeah, it's yeah. so good, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I want to back Batman up here too because there's a sense where it's like that's just how reality works too. Like in our away from Batman, just um, if someone does something awful to your family or whatever, if if you slap them in the face, it's right, assault. right. And you can say that's wrong or whatever. Just understand that, like, there's no the, the the law has no sympathy for like the premeditated reasons you have to attack people, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the um, definition of that action starts with the. Context. Even though I will, I will say though, <laughs> if like uh, you know somebody who's wanted for like uh, triple homicide is like being held by like some mm-hmm. like uber powerful god being, I do think most. Uh, police departments would be like, mm, we're gonna focus on like cracking down on uh, the poor neighborhoods before we go after the wealthy immortal. Who... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things there that actually are in the story, but the, it's more context. So this is at a time in Wonder Woman stories where um, she is a diplomat for Themyscira, which is a you uh, a recognized nation with the United Nations. She mentions she's a diplomat in the thing. And yeah. what's interesting is it doesn't get invoked, but uh-huh. almost to Jay, the reality you're trying to inject here, they could, she could have just said, no, she works for me and she has diplomatic immunity. She's automatically a citizen of, of Themyscira. You don't and have extradition. They could, her house, they show a little placard say, stating that her house is the right. embassy of Themyscira. So is an embassy. Yeah. 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 
but it doesn't come up. And then the other thing about like you can point to the fact that Batman is also operating extra legally. Yeah. But if we want to add more uh, reality into it, it would be easy for Batman to just be a bounty right. hunter. Like literally get a license with the, <laughs> yeah. the Gotham City like municipality. Like um so anyway. Um Well You would so think yeah, though, so you would think though that like Batman would understand how Wonder Woman kinda has I mean, of all the people in the Justice League, Wonder Woman would have like a grander scope of perspective. Yeah. You know? And just be like say, All right, say hey more, Diana, say just tell me this. Yeah, yeah. No, like, no, just like, say more about what you mean there. Uh like like she's older, so maybe like like he's always, he should always understand that her understanding of what or, or like her moral compass or whatever is probably right. is probably based off a like longer timeline of understanding. Yeah, you know what I mean. This is yeah. Batman we're talking about though, so he's like <laughs> you both he's that. like ready to like assume that that's not even Wonder Woman he's talking to. It's actually some alien who's like like just wearing a wonder woman skin suit so like he's not gonna be like sure, well sure. i'm gonna take anyone's word for anything like that's not really yeah yeah it's a, it's a really complicated piece of writing though because like i mean there's a bias here i think in part because it's sort of like the protagonist bias where wonder woman you know is is from what we can tell doing something out of a appropriate moral sort of feeling and she has integrity and th- things like that but you know, if again, in in an almost like Rawlsian sense, like to say, like he should he should um, accept her moral superiority. I'm not sure by even my own sense of oh. things she has it. Let oh me, no, let yeah. Me say, let me fin- oh, but let me finish. I was going to say like I don't think Hikatea. We recognize it in an interesting anthropological sense, but if somebody was like, this should be a thing. And it should be why murderers don't go to prison. I would be like, no, no, it should not. <laughs> like, I think Batman might yeah. be correct here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you were saying, I'm sorry. I just oh, to I just meant like, like uh, superiority isn't the word. Just uh, like what being alive for a long time does to your perspective. You know, it's like, all right, right. okay. So Diana probably just has a different understanding of what life is because she's alive a lot longer than everybody else. And like yeah. running through that, which is actually kind of what he does i assume he's like all right so what did she hear about a long time ago that locks this in right yeah yeah i I think that's fair i I, but i think what i like about this is that i really love and what makes it feel like a real great tragedy and what really respects our characters and what's way better than the vast majority of confrontations Mm -hmm. between superheroes and superhero stories is that there is no misunderstanding here they both know that they have values that while important to them and real and they have duties to just contradict and both characters know that about like they understand each mm-hmm. other and yeah. still come to a very direct irresolvable as the book will use insoluble uh, um, conflict. So it won't dissolve tragedy <laughs> will not yeah. solve you will not become not at all. You. I like I like that the uh, the Furies wake her up when uh, Willis tries to like run away and sort of like, maybe backtrack on this because then yeah then that really like solidifies the point that they're really the bad guys and they actually orchestrated this probably yeah. orchestrated this entire event just to get a crack at Diana oh yeah which is yeah um, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned them too, because we actually, I I did skip over them, which I shouldn't have, which is that like, even before that moment, um, right when Hikatea is sworn, 
um, the Furies appear at her door or, or, or at her street corner, like under the lamp, mm-hmm. um, under the street lamp. And it's, yeah, as you mentioned, there is an artifice to a lot of this. It's pretty clear they're to blame, or at least that they, or even before we know they technically appeared before Danielle to give mm. her this idea, like they're up to something and they, they have malintent. And actually I find them as characters like just as their characters in mythology, I've even mentioned this on a show before. The we like they're demons in something that, that in some ways they're chthonic deities more properly. But the point here is that they are evil things that work for justice. Yeah, you know, okay. like yeah. similar to the Jason Voorhees, but it's sort of like the you know, justice I think, I think of, this reminds me so of much of like teen chastity. <laughs> the justice Jason, of right? the lake. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in other words, like I mean, you you scoff, but the, the, it's like the common analysis of yeah. Jason is that it's he's a conservative force because he kill punishes teenagers for their hedonism <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it is. It, and yeah, but in other words, like people have asked, are slashers actually kind of prudish in yeah. their in their larger concept? And, and I mentioned before, it's like Jason doesn't work for Jesus or whatever. Yeah. Like, but he is like in some sense a force for moral like propriety. And similar, I mean, if you think about, again, in sort of Jewish and especially Christian mythology, demons are evil things, but they're, and and they sit, like, kind of coax people to do, seduce people to do evil stuff, but in, like, they also punish They exist evil. to punish Their, their yeah, main yeah. vocation is to punish people according to the moral laws of God. Yeah. Um, and and I, I would say, incidentally, that's how Twitter works, too, <laughs> which is people who yeah, that's become... How- Eat, well, I, I've even said this before. It's just like the 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 kind of call out culture and um, kind of like what's it called? Like cancel culture. Those people that watch Zack Snyder films. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no. But the point I'm trying to make is that like there's a sense where the morals that they're defending are correct, right? Like they're it's they're punishing the bad people for the bad things they do. And they're right. Like Mel Gibson is a shithead. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is a shithead. They deserve. But the thing is what they have become is demonic because they are fundamentally enjoying hurting bad people or whatever. So it's just a weird. Basically what you're saying is Twitter is ghostwriter. Ghostwriter or the Spectre. Or or Twitter is the Furies, which is like, they are fundamentally, uh, you know, devilishly enjoying sadistically <laughs> punishing people but you know preserving i guess some moral order or something yeah but yeah so but okay so we've kind of danced around it but just to our story that moment where batman does finally confront wonder woman all this fantasy about tragedy and like you know different uh fucking like moral systems or whatever it's still wonder woman and she still punches this motherfucker off the... <laughs> she still puts it, or her hand on his chest. It's like, yeah, just remember who the fuck you're fucking with. And Batman <laughs> just, like, has to leave. That's... that's there well, is yeah, no, he makes, like, a run um, for Danielle. And she's like, nope. And, like, he's just on the road. <laughs> yeah. That joke I made about this being, like, a 50-year conflict between her and Batman over time about this one specific matter... Like, I feel like Wonder mm. Woman was ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Wonder Woman kind of, like, was just like, yeah, I'll just wait this out, you know? Like, one day that old man's going to break a hip coming for me. And 
I I'm like the resolution here I don't is think... <laughs> more tragic. No, I don't think so because I think that the idea is there's an immediacy for Batman, which is that like, no, no, we have she's a murderer. We have to take her in. Because in some sense, if you, if there was a the capacity for patience with Batman, there maybe would be a conversation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, in other words, but he's like, and, and the thing is, the, the one thing I think that he doesn't know, the reason there's a legitimate conflict here, I think at that moment, there's real tension is that like, he doesn't actually know Diana's going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Because yeah. he throws the, the batarang at her, at Danielle, to try to, because I think that was something I missed the first time I read this, which is that like, at first I thought Batman attacked mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Because um, it just it starts the fight, so it's like okay. But no, he's actually it's sort of like the cop is gonna grab the criminal, not expecting someone else in the bar to stop him. But in this yeah. case, he's stopped by um, RuPaul in the Wonder Woman costume, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, and then of course, so now Danielle feels awful uh, because you know she probably didn't want these two great heroes to come to blows over all this I, maybe she thought that like just Wonder Woman vouching for her within the whole thing and it, there is something interesting here about the fact that like this is now all spiraled out of Danielle's mm-hmm. control and so she feels awful and I think she's really bothered because at some level I think she wants to be absolved by Wonder Woman not just protected so she's sort of like it's like it's not what it looks like he's making it seem different and so she grabs the the golden perfect <laughs> The golden perfect. It's the perfect golden. She grabs that, and uh, so she can't be telling a lie, and explains to Wonder Woman what, why she did these murders. What? Why did she do these murders? Um, because of uh, her uh, younger sister got human trafficked into prostitution. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Basically, like. Um, they came from like a small town in the Midwest and her sister had big aspirations, got some offer to, uh, from like some sleazebag in Gotham. Uh, she got there and without going into too much detail, um, you know, was, uh, exploited through a combination of violence and drugs and, uh, eventually, um, died, um, while not, while her, uh, you know the people who put her in that position face no consequences and uh, like the three men yeah. most responsible are who Danielle went after and killed and and think about what we have here because basically Hecatea is a form of servitude but it's based in generosity mm-hmm. and protection and consent and what what happened to Danielle's sister is the opposite. It's a perversion of Ekatea. It's a form of slavery and cruelty, and it's without mm-hmm. consent. And so there's something really smart about this writing, but also fascinating about what the character has done, that like not only is she going to get vengeance, but she's going to try to not necessarily evade it, but she's going to meet it through this process of Ekatea, which is, again, that more honorable, ritualistic form of servitude. Um, I don't know. I just like that. I, the way that those things mirror one another, I thought was not, it doesn't come out immediately, but I think it's, they're really interesting. Yeah. And that's really cool too. Cause yeah, that didn't occur to me while I was reading it. And, but now that I think about it, it's like, they have some lines in there, like as they're, um, having like a flashback 
of um uh Danny's sister and like what happened to her and like you know it I took it as like you know Danny like basically like explaining to Wonder Woman like what these guys did and like why they did it or whatever but like it is pretty much like the narrator like going through just like they did with like when they first introduced Hecatea in the beginning except yeah they're like it's like basically everything inverted um which is cool yeah 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 and it i think in some sense because Hecatea feels very foreign to us it's just a different kind of planet um but i think giving this kind of inverted perversion like we have a deep moral uh repulsion to to that sexual slavery because it's atrocious it's awful for good reason but there's a sense because it's inverted now we're starting to maybe understand the meaning of of hecate or at least like okay i can see how this has its own morality even though clearly there's a flaw to it clearly it's not something we're ready to you know just go with in our contemporary society or something like that um but i think the fact that Daniel's made this mistake and knows it, or at least understands the limitation of what she's done, because while she can get Wonder Woman's protection, Wonder Woman is not going to give her approval. Not, not even disagreement. Yeah. Not, she's not condemning it either, but she won't get that. And she realizes that she's brought the modern world and Wonder Woman's world into, you know, she's starting to sense irresolvable conflict here. And so she, in shame, I think, even though it's not stated directly, in shame, she leaves. There's this moment where, you know, I mean, it's weirdly, um, um, what's the word, like motherly, um, maternal, that was what I was looking for, where she's putting Daniel <laughs> to bed. And, and Daniel is sort of looking her out, out of the side eye, and you can tell that she feels judged. Mm-hmm. You know, when she says, I'm so sorry, and Wonder Woman says, rest now, and everything like that. So she leaves in the night, and like you mentioned, the Furies are like, oh, she's getting away. I hope nothing bad happens. I hope we won't have to eat the flesh off of your demigod bones, Wonder Woman. Wouldn't that be <laughs> awful? God, they're dicks. Yeah. Um, you know what oh, happens wanna... if she goes, right? And yeah, that's what she <laughs> has to go after I did want to mention, by the way, that the Furies, it is cool also that Wonder Woman goes out to oh, confront yeah. them at first, at first and like she's just kind of hiccatated it up, and she's like, look, under my protection, we'll fight. Yeah, what's up, horse. you jealous and, bitches? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they, the, 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 um, the Furies, the Arrhenes, are like kind of put her in her place. Not totally. There's still some question about how things right. would go down, but they basically, they're like, you can't, we we're the law <laughs> like you can't or we're at least the ex execute uh executioners of the law so to speak like you can't just bull your way through this you're not just going to be able to use your muscles we're not going away yeah and yeah like how yeah it it was clear that like you know they might not be able to defeat wonder woman they might be able to they would certainly be a threat right like if nothing else right absolutely um, they're like, you got to give us the respect we're due. And there's some truth to that. Like, again, they just belong to that moral order of antiquity. You can, they might, they're cunts. No one's going to disagree, but they work for, they represent like forces. It's sort of like, it's like, yeah, we like doing our job. It is our job, but it's our job. <laughs> um, and so again, to our story, uh, we, and again, this is all happening super quickly, you know, Danny leaves, Daniel leaves, and then 
Batman catches up to her, but Wonder, Wonder Woman's still on the hook. And they get into another fight. And Wonder Woman just whoops that ass. Like, she just whoops that ass. There's no... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. I mean, I love Batman, and Batman's got all, all the prep in the world, and he could potentially beat Wonder Woman if he had the right set of circumstances that he could use his mind and million or billions to to concoct. But in this case, he he didn't come with a werewolf. Or, or sorry, he didn't come with a Wonder Woman gun, <laughs> and he just gets fucked up. Um, and it's I mean, I, like, what did you guys think of this fight? By the way, oh, I loved it. Um, I mean, I think uh, Batman maybe gets in a uh like puts up a little bit more of a fight than i would expect given the situation but i mean i think it you know one it you can always argue it's like well yeah but it's wonder woman she doesn't want to like hurt her friend uh uh yeah she, she doesn't just yeah, rip his yeah. Arm off. um yeah. and then it's also like yeah. you know you can argue it's like well even if it you know even if like the writer and artist like agree that it would just be over in a split second, they still want to have something to show, you know? So like, uh, but, right. um, but it is and I'm pre- kind of over in the blink of an eye. Like it's very quick and decisive. Um, yeah. Right. Also, I love that, uh, Diana like yells out to him when he's like going after Danny at this part. Cause she's like, Bruce. And I wanted Batman to turn around and be like, dude, not cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's very true. Um, but yeah, and and I'm all, I'm willing to suspend some disbelief that like, you know, part of being a good fighter, and I think people forget this, especially if you've never boxed or done jujitsu or wrestling. Um, like, there's a for instance, there's this jujitsu guy, Damian Maya, who had a lot of really high level success in mixed martial arts, just doing jujitsu, and. His, the reason he's really good at it is he knows what you're going to do before right. you do it because he's that much better at it. So I'll give Batman some the suspension of disbelief that like he just knows what his opponent is going to do beforehand. It's not that he's faster. It's just that he's ahead of you mentally. Right. Yeah. So that that you know, I kind of want to just play along with it and be like, "Okay, that's kind of what happening happens in here." Unfortunately, the other thing is like She's not fast. She's like one of the best martial artists right. in DC. It gets lost a lot. She's just one of the best melee fighters out there. Yeah, I think a lot of writers have this tendency for like other characters who are fighting Wonder Woman who are like also martial, uh, but not as like strong as her to like kind of get the upper hand. Right. They're like, huh, y- you're using like ancient techniques from like over a thousand years ago. You don't think we've made improvements since then? Which yeah, which yeah, I've never been a big fan of. I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, first off, uh, you know, I, I assume the Amazons knew what they were doing uh, when they trained her, right? Um, and but it's like, and two, it's like, well, you know, she's been around this whole time. She didn't like just like go like, well, right. I'll never learn anything else. I agree, but we're, we're suspending some disbelief here, so she didn't like flick him right. in the chest yeah. and pulverize <laughs> atomize his spine him. into yeah. powder. Okay, look, yeah, here's how the fight went down. It, it was like, hey, I'm back. It was like, and he yeah. said, "All right, all right, Hecate, Hecate, Hecate." Yeah, yeah. I'm calling that like, like it was calling uncle. That like, it, <laughs> like it, absolutely, and it's a wonderful like depiction too because it's raining it looks like it's like the end of lethal weapon <laughs> one she's puts she puts her her foot on his head this is batman he's like hecate and, butthorn 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's she's dominated him almost entirely. It's also like, like with she's strong enough and powerful enough. She's not putting a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. Into keeping him down. It's just kind of like, um, and as you mentioned, he invokes Hecate. Now I remember this incorrectly because I didn't realize she dismisses it out of yeah, hat. yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. a which is cool too because it's like oh yeah you can't just say the word. Like, <laughs> uncle, and I have to do... Like, I have to accept it, and yeah. you're abusing the ritual. Um, but it is a nice moment where he's like, I just had to Yeah, talk. yeah. Right? Like, I, you know. I also like... Um, but it also... Like, th- even if I did accept that, I still w- couldn't let you, like, take her away. I'd still have to... I would ju- then just have to, like, babysit both of your asses. Yeah, right, he was right. just trying to stalemate her, basically. He's like, yeah, but you couldn't hit me. <laughs> You know, yeah, like he's like was... you wouldn't. We wouldn't have fought. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah, point. Yeah. Like you couldn't have fought me or whatever. And and it's him doing his Batman right. chess move, which to Love his it. to his credit, like it's... we kind of assume he didn't know he was going to lose. Yeah. But I think he's also aware if he's the bat genius that you know he's not just going to do like you know spinning back kicks, <laughs> you know, and win the fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and and I think again Batman doing Hecate. Hecatea, all Hecatea also reflects that he tells us like, oh, he's not dense. Mm-hmm. He actually understands her situation. He knows about the ritual and that he has like access that. to Google. And yeah, and but exactly. And at this point, now we know, and everybody knows, this is a full tragedy. Mm-hmm. No one can win, and and it's clear that they can only. Uh, keep fighting until one of them, bad man, dies. <laughs> uh, horrible. Like, oh, oh, until one of them is cut in half by a magical tiara. <laughs> it's one of them. I don't know which one. Um, and and the Furies are watching this and they're just clearly masturbating or whatever. <laughs> and then sadly, and I think maybe inevitably, Danielle realizes she's the only one that can do anything about this and throws herself off of a, a high height and and dies and just before she does she you know does it before wonder woman can save her and releases wonder woman from the hikatea thank god she timed that right because it was like her dying breath she mm-hmm. like she absolved her of this obligation and if she hadn't i'm pretty sure those three. Oh, you think Wonder Woman would have had to carry her that around would have been like the weekend thing. at yeah, Bernie yeah, style? Yeah, yeah. She, was, she did not protect her from her from the, herself. So, uh, yeah, like it, like they were getting blood either way, you know. And right. um, you, <laughs> like like oh, this dumb bitch! I just like did the thing. I, I like I've been fighting Batman all day, and you're gonna just jump off a bridge and make me fight these snake women, anyways? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's hard to say. Yeah, I also, <laughs> like, I really like this ending because, like, yeah, I love, like, the Greek tragedy, um, like, uh, style, like, this entire graphic novel's written in. Um, I like the format. Um, I don't really get why she decides that she has to kill herself to in this conflict because, mm-hmm. like, couldn't she have just, like, ended the... Like Hecate, like absolved Wonder One D at like kind of any just point. Gone to jail. Well, <laughs> right. See, that's that's what I think is at hand here. Is that like there's two things that like because I agree. I think if it's just a matter of like like the plot needs her to end Hecatea, and she can just do that. But two things you don't get, 
is that you don't she doesn't get freedom and then the other thing is i think she never gets she never feels like she her hero like agrees with her right. what she did mm. Like, yeah, okay. you know i like so she even has that moment she was like i'm sorry i couldn't be more like you yeah because we didn't talk uh, as much about this but she mentions that like the reason she even knew about hikateo wasn't even though the um the urinies told her about it or whatever beforehand she mentions like i always tried to you were my hero i just wanted to i learned ancient uh greek for you i just wanted to be like you yeah and so you know even those murders initially were her bringing them to justice in the way that she understood it because other things that the furies would do away from they weren't just in the mythology and it's sort of insinuated here as well they mentioned a couple examples they didn't just enforce breakers of hecatea if you did really fucked up shit the furies just killed you like if you like uh usually it's like killing a family member especially like matricide uh, like pat matricide or vice versa if you killed uh killed your kids without good reason <laughs> uh, that the furies would kill you or whatever yeah um yeah so she kills herself and it's very sad and the furies are really happy there should be a companion piece to this where diana just like fucks them yeah. up and yeah. like it as an aside so they're like wait oh no no i just hate you now personally <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i'm just killing you yeah, yeah. she's like yep. smashing their faces <laughs> on a rock yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was some bitch shit y'all did last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, it's like you had to do it. I'm doing this because you enjoy it. That's, I'm allowed to. <clears throat> you know, they're like, um, but we, who will protect the or uphold our laws? She's like, our laws are gone. Like, we'll I'll kick yeah, your ass yeah, all the way back to Themyscira, where I guess they, those are still observed. But you take one step off that and, island, and guess who's coming for you? And, yeah, exactly. And okay, so. To that end, like her laws being gone, what's interesting, and that's what makes Wonder Woman probably a challenge. And what's interesting about Greg Rucka's story here is he really takes up that challenge. He mm. thematizes it because the thing is, is that her powers are from the gods, mm. one way or another. Where whether she's got her power from Zeus, because not at this point they hadn't yet written that story where she's a demigod. Uh, she had the blessings mm. of the gods, and so in some sense she's beholden to their like since their law right and in a broader sense i think that she's like for us like her power comes from the fact that she symbolizes like antiquity and things like that um so she can't just totally modernize she can't totally just you know cut herself Mm -hmm. off from that and still be the character that that has the gravity that she does yeah i know i completely agree um i don't know i uh yeah, it makes sense, but I will say if I was in um Danny's shoes, I would have been like, Oh yeah, totally. I'm uh I'm definitely gonna go to sleep tonight. I would have just hung around because like it kind of implies that she was like been like that she was like working like as Wonder Woman's servant for like months or something. Like it seemed like a pretty significant period of time. I would have just been like hunting the halls of her because she clearly had a map of the house after a while because like she was able to find like where the lasso of truth was held in the wonder woman was like, you're not supposed to be in here. Um, if I was in her position, I would have done the whole thing, like been her servant for like a while. I would have been like hunting for that fucking mm-hmm. invisible jet. Like, I don't know, maybe like take a, like Google some like instruction <laughs> videos or something. And then like, as soon as I feel pretty confident, I'd be like, uh, instead of like slipping away to go commit 
suicide or seppuku for like my hero or whatever i'll just be like okay um i end hecate you're you're good you can you can be chill with batman again um he, i know he can totally come get me as like i'm leaving on the invisible jet like on an invisible jet to like Themyscira <laughs> or like i don't know yeah. like who like any other country with like you know pretty that are pretty like keen on like sheltering uh, I mean, any country that doesn't have extradition with the United States could. Yeah. I mean, but it is difficult. Like, it, it is funny to mix Batman in with all this because <laughs> it is true. I mean, we talked about him as this sort of representative of contemporary law, but in some sense, obviously, he's extra right, legal right. too. So I do think it gets a bit muddy. I mean, there are probably better characters that more closely fit that, but none have the stature right. of Batman. <laughs> so you're going to go with Batman. It, it would um, also be really funny if the story was wonder woman trying to find some like moral foundation in a person's elaborate plot to steal her invisible jet. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Succeeding. You guys yeah. really want this to be more about the jet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> not enough jet hey, yeah, in the story. Sorry, That's yeah, what we I have think. not spoke like there's zero jet talk in this <laughs> comic. No. Yeah. But like <laughs> just the idea that this was somebody's just, just a very elaborate plot to take her invisible plane is really funny to me. Um, so, so what I think is interesting here too, like what I, what I really love about the story is it, it <laughs> bores out a, a point that, that Nietzsche was on about, uh, and Nietzsche was a philologist. He was specifically studied the classics, um, before he was more associated with, um, philosophy. And so he was a really good reader of the Greeks and he really got something about them that is illustrated in this story, which is that like all morality is about authority, all of it. Like, even if you take yourself to be following your own morality, what Nietzsche would say, and I think it was very, which is very accurate, is you are taking your own impulses, your own feelings, as an authority that you are then enslaved to. So when people say it's something like they're enslaved by their own desires, that's precisely what they mean. So to, to have the, uh, some sense about what you think you ought to do, the, the, it, you mean this is the authority you think you ought to follow. Yeah. And in this case, every character has a very well-articulated moral authority that they're in service to, that they are subjugated by in some sense. That, and by the way, it's not a criticism. It's just the reality mm -hmm. of moral thinking in some sense or moral commitment. Um, even Danielle, where it's less like, less aware, like less um, clear about the moral thing that they're in service to, for her, it's how much she cares about her sister and what happened to her and the need to get revenge on that basis or whatever. So yeah. I, I think it's interesting that, that like each one has such an obvious thing and they're, none of them are suborned to any of the other ones. You don't get the sense that Batman is wrong or that Wonder Woman is wrong right. or Danielle's wrong, but they're just set in just such a way that they're all respected and really well bore out everything. Yeah. Well, Jared brought up Nietzsche again. So does that mean it's about time to wrap it up? <laughs> yeah basically i think that's right um yeah but oh the, the last thing i'll say i do find interesting though is like what to make of any of this because all it's not just that all of the characters have this thing that they're in duty to like but they also have this other sense of morality that thinks it's weird and wrong <laughs> in a way like that they, they it's like well i've got to follow this law even though it Appears to me to maybe be backwards and wrong, but what would we be without our duty? Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I mean, and this is something she kind of, like, states explicitly, but uh, yeah, just rules are what shape a civilization mm-hmm. and, like, what shape, right. like, the drive. So it's... Um, yeah, and like and that's fun it's when it's magic sometimes, but it ain't also <laughs> right when you're Batman. But but uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting because like this idea of like oh it, that seems wrong to us at first because it's like oh it's just this arbitrary set of rules. But take Batman's code, which has there's some real accuracy to it, which is like yeah, if we don't have these laws that just say you can't kill people just because you feel like you should. Imagine, so everybody's just going to kill the people they think really deserve it. It's like, no, we, even when it feels like that's the right thing to do, if we don't have this kind of like ritualistic observance of the law, there's just going to be a lot of dead people. Most of them probably don't deserve it, you know, yeah. so let's do this thing instead. <laughs> and Wonder Woman's a good person to remind, you know, remind that uh, to, right. you know, it's like, it's like, hey, you know, we just don't. We just don't kill people all the time. She's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's do our final thoughts, and then we'll do some recommendations, and we'll get out of here, because that's the story of Hictaea. Um, I'll just say I think this is a uh, an amazing Wonder Woman story. I'm amazed at the depth and richness in such a short span of time. Um, I think that there's something about Greg Rucka that like really gets this character uh, because he understands how hard she is to write. Yeah. And he sort of struggles with it on the page, and that's what makes it good and rich. When you just say, Wonder Woman's just the best girl. They're awesome. You know, you end up in this place where she's just sort of two-dimensional. The fact that she represents this world that's not completely metabolizable, the fact that she is, in some sense, greater than a conventional, you know hero, uh, I, I think and the fact that he writes it that way makes it really, really work. The art is beautiful. I didn't really say enough about it uh, because it's just incredibly good and competent. It doesn't have, it's like I mentioned before, it's kind of John Carpentery where it's not like, uh, there's not this snazzy, fancy thing to it. It's just really beautiful, really rich, mm-hmm. really wonderful. So I love this. Same. I, l- I like this a lot. Uh, I'm okay. Like we've and we've had several guests speak on how like covers don't really give you what you want from like mm-hmm. like out of the story. If you wanted to see if you wanted to see Wonder Woman stomp on Batman's head, yeah, uh, you you get to and and like <laughs> there's nothing cool about it for Batman and that's fun. I like that. Like you you get the sense yeah. this was called Wonder Woman Hikatea. But it could have been called Wonder Woman, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 Suck it. Boom. Um, Yeah. No, I love this. This is great. It was uh, a really tight story. You know, uh, JT mentioned that it could have happened over like a couple of months or whatever. It also could have happened over like two days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like it's actually a little vague, but like, I feel like this story really could have just been the weekend for Diana. You get a description of like a week or so. They yeah. just, but it's a like a short montage about her working for Diana. Yeah. But I agree. If you di- you didn't need that part, um, uh, they do want to give it a little bit of of time. But like I agree, it would have worked just as well as you, if it was Friday to Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's also hilarious with uh, Diana's like 
He's like, all right, you'll be my assistant now. Uh, I have this, 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 and this to do, and like in a day. And it's like, you know, she's like going to the UN, meeting like world leaders, kicking a bunch of ass, like you know, coming up. It's a it's a great moment, and uh, I I uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I would recommend it to anyone. Like, I cannot think of uh, anyone who wouldn't enjoy this. Uh, and if you don't enjoy this, you're wrong. I'm sorry, yeah. but I'll say it. You're fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get them. Um, yeah. Okay, let's do some recommendations. Wendell, you wanna? Yeah, go yeah. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull anything crazy out. My favorite interpretation of Wonder Woman before this was in uh, Darwin Cook's New Frontier. Um, nice. Oh yeah, that's uh, a good pull. Like she's. All those words that used to be really negative in description of women, like bossy and like rude mm-hmm. and, and outspoken and shit. And yeah, no, I like I that the <clears throat> I guess the 1940s like cartwheeling over tanks and throwing them into the mountains kind of Wonder Woman is my favorite kind of Wonder <laughs> Woman. Even though this story is also great, but yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, that came out in 2004. I've recommended it for other reasons, but it's just one of my favorite stories. I think you're a hey, you're absolutely right about that. What a what a cool Wonder Woman he did because it, it very much is. I mean, he's channeling the original Golden Age Wonder Woman, but he yeah. writes such a. You said crude. There is a sense where he writes Wonder Woman having the same uh, almost sexism just against <laughs> men, right. but not in the uh, like kind of you know retributional sort of feminist sense, reactionary but in yeah. no but in a sense where he's like yeah she wonder woman in that is like oh you're just a bunch of weak men what are you <laughs> yeah, gonna yeah. do you're what here for sex doing to let yeah yeah you're <laughs> you're here to have you have a hard penis and get out of the way <laughs> the women have to do the fighting yeah. as we know what are you gonna yeah, you, yeah. you you're not gonna shoot a, a bow and arrow i've yeah. killed hercules <laughs> fuck you it's yeah it's it is really a cool wonder woman yeah what about you, JT? JT? You got any recommendations? Uh, yeah, so I'd highly recommend uh, the Justice Society World War Two. Um, it's currently streaming yeah. on uh, oh, yeah. HBO Max now, just called Max. Uh, dumb, I miss it when it was just called HBO Go because then I could call it Habogo, and I like <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a really great um, animated, like DC animated film. Um, as you might suspect from the title, uh, it mainly takes place during world war ii um but it's uh told uh basically like from the perspective of uh modern day flash um he's kind of our um audience surrogate and uh but i'd say like he's probably like the protagonist of the story but i'd say like the second uh like uh main character in that is wonder woman um who is like currently leading that iteration of the justice society uh, and she's fucking great in it. Uh, she gets to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, it also just has a bunch of classic DC heroes. Um, and I don't think it does any of them any. Or I think it does all of them justice. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd highly recommend checking it out if you have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, my recommendations are, uh, first of all, I think Greg Rucka is, for me, I mean, it's the reason I picked this story really uh, I was definitely going to do some Greg Rucka Wonder Woman. I think he's he's at least my favorite Wonder Woman writer. 
Um, but I think he's the best. So if you really want uh, some more fleshed out, just more, uh, this was his first um, writing of, of Wonder Woman. This is his first uh, swing at the character, but he would go on to do some way other work that was really good. Um, so the New 52 Wonder Woman that was, I think, initially uh, J. Michael Straczynski and uh, Brian Azzarello later, might have been a few more people, that was very mixed in in what people thought about it and things like that. But Rebirth, they got Greg Rucka to come back, and it was an unparalleled su- success. The first four volumes of Wonder Woman Rebirth, all Greg Rucka, fantastic. I would specifically focus on the Cheetah story, where it's kind of a re-origin for her, where Ertz Cartaga, the, the sort of African god, puts the fool's Barbara Minerva into be Anyway, the point is it's very good. <laughs> so just check that out. Um, I do think if you really want to be a complete Wonder Woman reader, um, you should check out Gail Sim- uh, Simone's Wonder Woman. She writes a great Wonder Woman, but I think specifically George Perez. Uh, he, there's plenty of George Perez, uh, like, omnibuy with with Wonder Woman um he I mean he has a great visual he's it's one of those cases where he's the writer and the artist and that's always very special and I think he kind of very much made Wonder Woman a contemporary character by making her more about antiquity he very much put the mythology into it um and last thing uh, last recommendation Greg Rucka also I think has even though it's unsung in many ways one of the best Wolverine runs ever yeah, he worked with Derek Robertson. His Wolverine is very back to basics. It's, it's sort of Wolverine as this almost like hobo wandering around, righting wrongs. It's very gritty and angry. And he takes a lot of the superhero out and just makes Wolverine a guy who seems to attract a lot of attention of pieces of shit. And then he puts knives in, his, in those pieces of shit, uh, <laughs> metaphorically. Anyway, okay. Uh, before we go, the last thing I wanted to say is that that this is a really well written thing, but I would have loved that moment where she's like, uh, <laughs> like puts her hand on Batman's chest and is like, you know, uh, she's under my protection or whatever. I would, I just wanted her to be like, "Fuck you, Nepo baby," <laughs> and then punch him off the gun. Because that's what it felt like. But okay, well, everybody, thank you so much. Thank you again, JT, for coming back to the show. I begged you to be here, and you were. Thank you. You were great on the show. Uh, Wendell as always Uh, thank you listener for checking out our Wonder Woman uh, issue or episode I should say Um, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcast or Spotify or anything else Uh, hit us up on Twitter hope you like the episode recommend to us uh, in via Twitter let's say uh, what you want us to listen to or sorry read next and we'll talk about and am I forgetting anything I get everything I don't think so oh rate us on Yelp um Oh, yeah. Give us a Yelp review. Is that a thing they I can do? I don't know. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, rate us on Rate My Professor. Good, really appreciate eats. that. Wait, no, yeah, that might be your like, Grubhub <laughs> driver, so tip those Hell dudes yeah. well, too. And um, next time we're going to do uh, a very, uh, I don't know, uh, interesting uh, disaster, wonderful, awesome catastrophe in Marvel versus DC. Hell yeah. I wrote 15 fucking pages at work I'm about so this. I'm so excited. It's, it, to me, it's a fascinating crazy thing that ever happened four issues of comic book yeah yeah exactly so check that out uh be with us next time we look at marvel versus dc right
I'm recording. Did we get it? Yeah. I think we did. What's funny is I fucked it up, but I don't care. We'll just fix it in post. <laughs> well, you also <laughs> fucked up the countdown because you were super off rhythm. So, yeah, that's the problem. Me being off rhythm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mm. help. Mm. That's kind of the entire point mm. of having the. On-go I just feel like part. if we're gonna go criticizing people's fucking bullshit, like maybe my rhythm in that little second isn't isn't at hand. Here. <laughs> I mean, it's your problem to edit, so I don't care. Correct. Yes. My problem to edit. <laughs> I'm just doing a test. I'm just testing it. Um, okay. I wanted yeah. to ask you because I believe you. I believe you. Don't just talk me. about it. Be about it. I'm going to be about it. Uh, what do you think of the these, uh, these production stills from Deadpool? Because... I gave you my response in a GIF that represented mm-hmm. ejaculation, uh, but if you would like to, well, if you'd like to talk first about of it all, now, I'd love to. First of all, Wynn will fuck you. Um, that's no, not really. Um, <laughs> How dare you? I <laughs> don't know. I I think that like what's insane about the social media culture, you know. Let me, and I'm gonna be the first person to criticize it here. I'm gonna so everybody get ready. Uh, is just this like <laughs> insane capacity to make the a big deal about everything, and it does yeah. feel like you know the ice caps are melting and civilization.